0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. And now give Jesus the biggest hand clap you've ever given anybody. Well, I think your pastor pulled the trigger on the right gun. Sometimes you go to extend a meeting and people think, well, it's going to be few more days, I'll take Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off. But you can see that's not a problem here. How many of you were here on Friday? Shoot, so you remember I said I'm going to pray for everybody tonight. Uh. All right, you got me. No, I was asking about Friday because... Uh, I w- How many of you remember us cursing the fentanyl supply line? Well, I don't mean to sound like CNN... But I have an unnamed source, except unlike CNN, I have an actual unnamed source that it hasn't hit the news yet, but the largest fentanyl bust in the history of Parkersburg, West Virginia took place that Friday night. It's going down. The devil's getting blown out of town. Parkersburg doesn't belong to hell. Parkersburg belongs to heaven. So that's a sign of things to come. It's going to be, amen, going to be a wonderful week. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 19. Welcome everybody that's watching online, particularly Pastor Bob Nichols in the beautiful city of Fort Worth, Texas, not a bad place to settle in. I wanted to get into this scripture last week, and then I ended up bouncing around in some other scriptures. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about revival, a little bit more about revival, because people don't know what it is. And then you have people that have never had a revival that fancy themselves experts on revival, and they don't know what they're talking about. So the best place you can see a revival in the Bible, you have people say, Revival's nowhere that word revival is nowhere in the Bible. That's true. Neither is the word Bible, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> so you can see, yeah, the word revival is not in the Bible. But the concept of a move of God doing twenty or thirty years worth of work. You know, I, I posted something on social media that a proper revival will give a church twenty years of church growth in a handful of days. I was preaching at um in Plattsburgh, New York, and that pastor showed me this crude addition to the sanctuary. In fact, when you preached at that church, it was almost like you had this crowd that you could tell the church was built for, and then there was this other addition that you could tell was like crudely slapped onto the church, so he said, when your father came here, we had him stay for two weeks, and we had a hundred, not, not total salvations, But he said, we had 140 new people saved and added to the church. And and we immediately had to do construction. Of course, the Pentecostals back then never got permits or anything. They just went for it and uh, got some royal rangers to help build the side of the building. And he said, we built an addition onto the building very quickly to house because our crowd about doubled in size. That's what a revival does. And so... um, your pastor, and I'm not commending him to stay on his good side or anything. There's people that, they're so locked into their church systems that they can't ever have a revival. And I was telling my guys that traveled with me from Pittsburgh, I said, when you start off as an evangelist, you preach in these very, very small churches. I mean, you're happy even to be in a church. Then sometimes you preach in places, you know, prison, nursing homes, anywhere. So then you start getting asked to preach in like, small churches, I preached on Easter Sunday in a place in Proctorsville, Vermont. It had six people on Easter Sunday, counting me. I know they say evangelists exaggerate numbers, but trust me, it was exactly six because I recounted three times and then began to look for a ceiling beam strong enough to hang myself from. (laughs) And a rickety stool. So I thought, man, Easter Sunday, six people, Lord, you called me in the ministry. (laughs) This is awful. You know, it's pretty bad when you're preaching at a church and you think, there's two more people here than are in my living room. <laughs> I remember one lady met me at the front door. She goes, hello, Reverend. I'm the head of the Sunday school department. I said, there's no children. You've killed them all. And I told you the other night when I brought that up that I felt the Lord speak to me. Don't worry about where you are now. Just keep preaching and remain faithful. So then you start getting invitations after a while. To your dream big churches, two thousand seater, three thousand seater, and I was telling my guys they're actually the worst meetings. I'd rather actually, and I'm not saying this for effect. I'd rather preach in the six person church where you're free than these other places that have tons of seats and they're so in love with the way they've done. Now we get out at eight fifteen, and then if you could, um, if you could just. Uh, uh, give an altar call and then after you give the altar call we like to pray for people like this then we serve communion you know it's like there's no point in you even being there they're not open to having revival they, 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 they just want a guest speaker to give the pastor a break and then on the pastor's end of it because I'm both I'm a pastor uh, and an evangelist there's people who call themselves an evangelist is not a traveling speaker or a guy that's between churches or somebody's friend from Bible college that needs an offering you know some people that call to preach they don't even want to preach anyway. They just need money, so we'll just send them just send them a, a, an offering. That's all they're looking for. But don't torture your people to have to listen to some dried up. You know, I don't want to call somebody a loser, but a dried up loser that, that 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 preaches that doesn't have any fire and they're not pushing for anything. And so this is a great this is a great two weeks set of two weeks because you have the right combination of everything. This is a great church with great staff. You know, people have been watching the kids four hours a night, and, and no one cursed at me on the way out. They're happy. One of, the, one of the children's workers just greeted me, and then you have people coming, nobody took a night off. Look, at me, we're picking right up where we left off on Friday. That's revival. Now things happen in these kind of meetings that not only will it grow a church 20 years in a few days, it'll grow you 20 years in a handful of days. Because there's things you pick up in meetings like this. And while I'm I'm talking about whatever I'm talking about, let me me clear this up, too. There's There's a preacher on television. You've probably seen him unless you're Amish. And even if you're Amish, you probably have a TV hidden somewhere with underground cable and have seen him. His name's Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen had a father named John Osteen. He's in heaven now. John Osteen started that church from scratch. And he used to say from the platform... I do my counseling from the pulpit. Anything you need is in the service. And what's happened is in church is because there's in many churches, there's no actual ministry that goes on in church. It's a, it's a show. It's a tight praise and worship set. It's a 25 minute message and then a prompt dismissal. And that's it. There's no prayer. There's no ministry to people. I'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. When I was on vacation, In Arizona a few years ago it was Sunday and I you know I go to church because I'm a Christian so I said uh, I said to Adonis let's go to church so I went to this church and I don't know if it was spirit-filled or not I wasn't I wasn't looking actually at that that day I was on vacation I was actually looking for there not to be a move of God I wanted to be in and out in 80 minutes so I picked a church like that well this guy I know a bunch of people just lost respect for me lost two partners it's okay so this guy starts preaching right he's probably he was like my age back then back then i was like 38 so he's preaching and he's preaching on psalm 23 you can tell you can tell i have everything timed to the minute i saw the clock at the back and he goes uh when he gets to thou anointest my head with oil he starts going off script and he i still remember he said i grew up in a denomination called the assemblies of god so he's from a spirit-filled background and this is not that really, it's kind of like just an, uh, an open church to everybody. And he, when he said, thou my man with oil started telling, he said, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church. And he said, they used to have an expression for young people that got on fire, that, that, that were really hungry for God. They'd say, that guy's on fire for God. And he said, when I started going to the youth group, one of my friends invited me, I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I started to have like a passion for the things of God and people, at the church would say. That guy's on fire for God. So he said, when they say, thou anointest my head with oil, I saw, I can recognize when the anointing comes on someone. So he went from giving a TED talk on Sunday morning to then when he went off his notes and started talking about his testimony. A lot of times when you tell a testimony, and I know there's, there's preachers here, and I don't mean Pastor Dave. He's been doing fine for 40 years before he ever met me. He doesn't need my help. But if you're a preacher, a lot of times when you tell a testimony about something God's done in your life it'll take you right back into the anointing that, that, that happened there, where you tell a miracle testimony or something that happened to you. So he wasn't meaning to, but when he was telling how God moved on his life when he was young, I, I could see his eyes start to get watery. And I saw him look at the clock, and he was kind of torn about what to do because service has to be dismissed, and they're part of a network of churches that enforce that. You know, it's almost like they've, America is the, is the home of franchises and what do you do at a franchise if you open up a dunkin donuts you make it idiot proof you make it where you press a button to grind the coffee you can't leave that to people or it'll be different at all different dunkin donuts tim hortons you make everything idiot proof mcdonald's you make it idiot proof chick-fil-a on down the line you make it where it can be replicated in any place so americans have basically taken that concept into church Where you just make all these cookie cutter churches some places won't even have a pastor there's just a simulcast of the screen on sunday morning and you come in deposit your offerings and go out but that doesn't work in ministry there needs to be a pastor there there needs to be ministry for that specific congregation can you say amen and i'm not talking you know obviously the churches that join in with us and watch online i'm not talking about that but but this this can never be mcdonald's where you drive through hear some music, hear a quick message, drop your offering off and get a get communion handed to you on your way out the door. Church is supposed to be a place where the power of God moves and there's ministers there that minister to the people. So I, I, I was wondering where he was going to go. Because I'm telling you, and I'm not the most complimentary person, as you know from last week, but when that guy started telling that testimony, I thought, this, this guy can preach. And if he's not careful, he's going to get himself fired. Because they don't care about having a move of God. They care about a lot of churches. Their goal is not to get people saved. Their goal is not to get people healed or filled with the Holy Ghost or marriages repaired. Their goal is to be done at 1130 sharp or 1115 sharp. And then if it starts going past that, they don't care. Nobody cares. Everyone's looking at the washer. We have a second service coming up in in about 10. We need to get the parking lot cleared out. And they can't have revival because revival... Like everything with God has an overflow element to it. God told Abraham in Genesis 17:1 and 2. The Bible says Abram was 90 and 9 years old and the Lord appeared to him and said, "Behold, I am El Shaddai." El Shaddai can be translated several ways. God Almighty and then the God of more than enough. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. What are we having right now? We're having run over. There's too many people for for this building. And and it can grow from here. Our church, Revival Today Church, I announced uh, we're canceling our Wednesday night service up in Pittsburgh. They're doing bus sign-ups. And I'm going to pack as many buses as I can and bring them back here. Why? Why? You know you actually shouldn't do that. You actually should say, now listen, I was planning on bringing people from Pittsburgh, but the truth, we're out of seats. You know what? Sometimes it's good to just let the thing overflow. Can you say amen? God, God is going to do something in this nation before Christ comes back where nobody's going to be able to put their finger on it. The devil won't be able to put out all the fires that are burning at the same time. That's what revival is. It's God Invading a place and taking over, and that's what's happening here in Park- Parkersburg in Jesus' name. If you believe it, go ahead, put those West Virginia hands. <laughs> hey, this thing's getting out of control on night one of week two. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah, that's what God wants to do. So, that guy he said, uh. That guy back when I was on vacation, when he started talking about the anointing, he went, I got to be careful here because we're almost out of time. Why are you almost out of time? I remember watching David Letterman one time when I was uh, in high school, and he said, I want to do this. He named the thing he wanted to do on his show now. And you heard a voice off camera, and it was his producer. And he said, what? Oh, we have to go to commercial? And then he sarcastically went, boy, it'd be nice to have my own TV show. When these guys that are the, the pastor of their church say, "I, you know, and I, I have to wind up. Why? Who paid for this place? Do you have to hurry up and eat in your own kitchen? Well, if you go too long, people have short attention spans. And um, in this day and age, people can't sit in church for hour after hour. Meanwhile, And especially teenagers and young people, they have very short attention spans. Meanwhile, your son has been playing Call of Duty for 11 consecutive hours. He's peed himself because he refuses to get up to go to the bathroom mid-game. Has not switched games, but they have short attention spans. No, it's not true. Secondly, why would you cater church services for people who don't want to be there? Now, I'm not talking about not reaching the lost. But what happens when you bring the lost to church? They should, they should see. There should not be like some beginner level thing. Jesus didn't do that. They're saying Jesus taught the crowds for 20 minutes. And then because there were a lot of new people there, he said, if you would like to learn more about this, we're going to be having a retreat to Capernaum and you can sign up. No. Jesus got up, sometimes first thing, cast the devil out of somebody, and had a move of God where people, when they came, got to experience the power of God. I'm going I'm to make you a guarantee tonight because I'm guaranteeing it not on my ministry but on the Word of God. There's nobody that if you hook in in your spirit, you're, you're going to leave here not having felt a little breeze. You're going to leave here radically changed by the power of God. Say it with me, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, pastor had to move around major things in his life to go a second week. I didn't because I just am a free agent. Even pastor in the church, I I just have kept myself where the thing where I, I can move extemporaneously. Now, I'm not saying, you know, he didn't know anything about this. And he thought I was booked book next week. I'm not saying like I've set things up better than him. But when you move by the Spirit, you have to keep it open-ended. You know, I had people ask me Saturday when I came home. I came home late Friday night. I had a senior's brunch at 11 a.m. And I met with the seniors of our church. They're asking, are you planning on doing 40 days of glory this summer? I said, I wasn't planning on doing 40 days of glory last summer. I felt the Lord speak to me, drive it in the car, have 40 straight nights of meetings. And when you do, don't just minister to the people that are there. Set your spirit to contend for breakthroughs and turnarounds in the nation. If you ever drove up on Interstate 376 by my church, I had that billboard set up. It said, Revival Today Church a home of breakthroughs and turnarounds because I was contending for breakthroughs and turnarounds in the country. Night 7 of those meetings was when the Roe Ro versus Wade flipped the decision uh, 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 on day 7. Then And a lot of Christians don't like me saying this but because uh, yes, abortion uh, is rotten. I was happy about that. But more important as far as from a freedom perspective was the EPA As we kept going, I think it was day 11, the ruling where it was EPA, it was EPA versus West Virginia, right? I think it was, where they were going to try to do the same thing they were doing in the Netherlands, where the EPA would have full control over how much carbon a farm emitted or power, where you wouldn't be able to have power, electricity, produce your own food like they're trying to do in Europe, and the Supreme Court struck that down. And so that was a, a second major breakthrough and turnaround where they were saying after that ruling... people wrote, liberals were writing, there's almost no point of there being an EPA, which, yeah, there should not be an unelected bureaucracy that tells a farmer that he can't raise cattle. If you start doing that, you're going to have major food production problems, which is what people at the highest level want. That got broken. Then there were about five other rulings during that time that all fell like dominoes. That wasn't scheduled. That wouldn't come at at, at, at a planning meeting. Hey, what do you think about having 40 straight Nights of meeting. I was telling my church this morning. I've announced to you about that 24.8 acres of land we were given. You know, I'm starting to feel it bubbling in my spirit. That once we get the land cleared. Why not throw up. My Uncle Ted's already offered it. Why not throw up a giant tent before the building's already up. And start holding meetings and dedicate the land to the Lord. And just announce to the devil ahead of time that there's a new sheriff in town. So say this with me. Say, there's a flow. flow. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37. um, uh, John 7, 37, and I think it goes into 38. At the climax of the festival, at the high point of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, In that day, rivers of living water will flow from within. Next sentence. But this spake he of the Spirit... Who had not yet been given, but would be given to all who believe. There's a flow. The Bible likens the infilling of the Holy Spirit to a mighty river that flows out from within. So that guy back in, in Arizona, what was he doing? That river, as he was speaking on the word, started to come up. And he, was, he got a flashback to when he was a teenager and started talking about that. And that river started to flow and he was starting to cry. And then he looked up at the clock and he said, I don't really know what to do because I'm out of time. Well, I'll tell you what you should have done. You, you should have let the river flow instead of blocking it up and telling the Lord how to move. So he, he found a little compromise to keep his job. He said, we're out of time, but um, we're going to dismiss. But I, he said, I want to do this. We have prayer partners at the altar. And if you would like prayer, this has touched you. See, he, he felt it. But the system he's put in doesn't allow the river to move. I'm glad that I'm in a system in this church that is not trying to block up the river, is not taking opinion polls to see who likes the river, but a pastor and a church that has decided, let's let's see for the dam and let the river flow. And that river is going to flow in you, through you, out of you, all this week in Jesus' name. Somebody say, follow the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. the you, The river, there, there's a flow. You feel God speaking to you to do different things. I wish I could know what, I, what my plans were for next year. If you asked me two years ago, I would have guaranteed you I'd never pastor a church. But, but you follow the Holy Ghost. Well, eating cake, December 31st at a New Year's party. Jonathan, build me a strong church in this city. Aye, aye, sir walk right into the property, send somebody to scout out our first building. The owner of the properties there had prayed that morning that God would help her unload the property. And then uh, uh, when she finds out we're a church, God moves on her heart and her husband's heart to give us a $5.7 million building right next to the airport. That's So you get in the flow. See, if you do things yourself, there's two ways to live life. There's your way, everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, "Let the river flow." flow. I'll tell you, you know, I've brought him up several times. But if you want to meet somebody that follows the Holy Ghost and lets the river flow, that has an enormous ministry, but will not break out of out of that letting it flow, it's Rodney Howard Brown. I went out to eat with him in Tampa. Our waiter was a 23 year old, as unspiritual as can be. Never talked about anything spiritual. Rodney Howard Brown was eating and looked up at him and said, "There's two ways to live life." There's your way, which is hard and difficult, and there's God's way, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, when he said that, I'm an evangelist. You know, I've been having revival meetings these last few days. I have like a suit jacket and stuff. When he said that to the guy, my thought as Pastor Rodney was talking was, this guy is going to just nod his head and go, and go, okay, psycho, and go get another, another server or whatever. And when Pastor Rodney said that, he put the, t- the plates he had collected back down and started crying. I'm talking about one word from the Lord. Young man, there's two ways to live life. There's your way, which has been hard. But there's God's way, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he said, um, who are you? And he said, I'm a pastor. He said, what church? And he told him, he said, I've been having friends invite me there, but I haven't gone. Let me write down the information. I'm going to come Sunday. I've been feeling I need to go in a different direction. See, that's following the flow. And when you follow, the Holy Ghost will never lead you backwards. The Holy Ghost will always lead you forward. So, what happens is, when you get in spiritual meetings like this, there's things that happen in this atmosphere that, in your own power, if you wanted to, you could be meeting or sitting and writing on a yellow notebook. But if you get where the action's at, that's a crude way to describe a revival. But I don't know a better way to say it. When I'm not in meetings and I'm not preaching, I'll fly to Tampa. I'll go somewhere where there's action like this. Because you can sit in these meetings and the flow of the Holy Ghost will pick you up from where you are now in life. And God will set you 15 or 20 years ahead. Think of it. In the Old Testament, there's only one reason God ever called his children together into the temple. To bless them. Not to rebuke them. He'd have them come to the temple to sort out whatever was wrong and get them right back in the flow. There's people here that used to be in the flow. And something happened in life and you've gotten out of that flow. The Lord's going to set you and your family right back in the dead center of God's will in Jesus' name. Let me me tell you a couple other things. Say two words with me. Say Ishmael. Say, Isaac. Isaac. Abraham had a promise from God that he would have a son. And when he got impatient, he tried to make it happen in the flesh. He said, all right, let's be realistic. My wife's in her 80s. She couldn't have children when she was in her 20s. And uh, this ain't, you know, let's be realistic. Do you mind if I sleep with your handmaiden and have a child through her? And his wife signed off on it. Well, Ishmael was problem. It caused trouble. He got a son like God promised. But it caused heartache. It caused major issues that are still going on in the world today. Because he was going in the right direction. He wasn't doing something that, that God didn't sign off on. But he was trying to make it happen in the flesh. And that's what, where a lot of people miss it. They know what God says about healing or blessing or home ownership. And they, they feel something in their spirit. But no one's ever told them what I'm preaching on to you tonight that not only is there a promise from God there's a flow of the Holy Ghost to get you to that promise where there's no effort to make it happen. Now I'm going to tell you something to piggyback on what I said on Friday because I already told you you're going to be the most blessed people in the state of West Virginia and now I add to that not only are you going to be the most blessed God's going to anoint you where your path forward is not going to be difficult and you smashing walls it's going to be a wind from heaven that comes behind you and takes you from where you are now to where God has you to be. If you believe it, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Say it out loud. Let the river flow. Say, follow the Holy Ghost. Yeah, when you feel a prompting to do something, do it. Whether it it seems normal or not. Who cares what people think? The sooner you learn a care for what people think and what's accepted, the better. I've had people, Jonathan, I've seen you preach. Why do you jump on the chairs like that? Because I felt like it. (laughs) Why do you jump up and down when you preach? I feel it. I don't have in my notes. After this point, jump up and down to emphasize what you said. Follow the Holy Ghost. Even this. I have scriptures up there I've been trying to get to, but you get in a flow. Revival has a flow to it. You can't just announce tomorrow's healing night. Next night's baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you can do it and it'll be set. But if you get in the river, let me let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Acts 19. Acts 19:1. 19, while Acts the 19th chapter the first verse, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. These people are noted in the Bible as believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Since you believed, Paul asked them, I believe everyone that becomes a Christian automatically receives the Holy Spirit. Then you and Paul have issues, and Paul's theology is better than yours. That's why God had him write a lot of books of the Bible, and you write no books of the Bible. Yes, the Holy Spirit does a work to clean your cup when you get saved. But then there is a second work of the Holy Spirit... Where he fills you, and you speak with other tongues, among other things. That infilling of the Holy Spirit is actually what Jesus spoke of in John 7, 37. In that day, rivers. Everybody say rivers. rivers. Now, if he said a trickle or a pond, or there'll be a touch. How I mean, he came for a touch. From the, I didn't come for a touch. I came to have rivers flow out from my spirit. I'll even tell you another thing, and I'm not bragging. But, you know, I, I preached a decent amount. I haven't been doing day services, but I preached all last week. I preached this morning, flew here, took that grueling 20-minute flight from Pittsburgh and preached here with you people. And, uh, you know, but man, you must be tired. No, I'm less tired tonight than I was last Sunday coming off of no meetings. Because there's even a way to do ministry the Ishmael way, where it's all effort and i i got to preach three times this week. i got to shut myself away and get ready. It's not, that's not how you do it. It's a flow. You study. I'm not talking about not studying, but I read John Wesley. You know, I thought I was nuts until John Wesley, who was a great revivalist, or sorry, uh, uh, Charles Finney, who was a great revivalist and had a major revival. Everybody say revival. revival. Now, you see this fentanyl bust they're going to announce. That'll be the first thing. The devil's dominoes nationwide. Not just from this meeting, I'm not taking credit for, you know, I'm, I'm not Jesus' little, well, I guess I Scripture, I am Jesus' little brother, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not taking credit for all this, and we're thankful for law enforcement and DEA and everything else, but I'm telling you, this year, prophetically, is a year where the devil's dominoes are going to fall all over the nation. You even see how things are starting to not look good for Fauci. The people that were the oppressors of America are being dealt with. This is a time for the American people to rise up and take their place in blessing. And West Virginia will not be left out. Can you say amen? Amen. So you, you get in a flow. You get in a flow in your preaching. And then it's actually refreshing. No water pipe ever gets thirsty. Because the water has to go through the pipe before anybody drinks out of it. So you hear people say, "Man, I say you pray for everybody. You must be tired because of your, your um, uh, what did they what did, you must be tired because of your virtue flowing out of people. If it was my virtue, number one, nobody'd be helped, and number two, I'd be dead. I have a very limited amount of strength, very limited. But it's not my virtue. All I am is a carrier of that river flowing out of my spirit. Now." I had it later in the scripture, but think of even Peter after he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. What's one of the first things you see happen? He's on his way to the daily 3 p.m. prayer service, and the Bible says he sees a crippled man, and the crippled man stretched forth his hand uh, expecting to receive a gift. And Peter said, look at us. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. He'd only been baptized in the Holy Ghost one day, or one chapter, and he was already conscious that there was something on the inside of him that he had to give to others. Well, if he was a charismatic or a Pentecostal, when he saw the crippled person, he'd say, Oh, Lord, we just pray that you would come and heal this crippled man. See, Pentecostals know about speaking in tongues, but they often are very limited in the flow of the Holy Spirit, tongues is one manifestation, and it is a manifestation. And I, I, I'll tell you, because you have this movement where they try to mock people that like, like, like they're backwoods idiots that believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. No, people only spoke in tongues back then to evangelize other people. And then after they, once the church was established, tongues ceased. Oh yeah, tongues was only to evangelize other people? then look at this. Acts 19. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Why do I take two hours a night and preach? Because you'll never receive anything you don't have taught and preached to you. Faith only comes one way. It doesn't come by singing. You can't sing, Lord. I mean, you can, but you're wasting your time Give us more faith, Lord. God's up here. Going, Open your Bible. <laughs> you can't sing for more faith. You can't pray for more faith. You can stir up the faith you have by praying, but faith Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes. How do you access more faith? Cometh by hearing. and hearing by the word of God. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? No. We haven't even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. You know, almost, I'd I'd say 80% of the testimonies we've taken during this revival are not. Jonathan came over and prayed for me, and I felt a heat on his hand. It was as I was listening to the Word, I felt an electricity come into my body and healed me. No prayer for me. The Word did it, because God's Word carries God's life. God's Word is God's power in print. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it, the word, is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Somebody shout the word. word. Now say these two things with me, or, or, or this sentence. Say the word and the spirit agree. The word and the spirit. You don't choose between the two. Church churches not make you feel like you have to choose. You go to some church, we have the word here. We might not all roll around on the ground. But we have the Bible. Then other people, we're we're a spirit church. We're a presence-driven church. You should be a word-based church. But then the word, who who wrote the Bible? The Holy Ghost wrote the Bible. So when you speak that word, the spirit and the word agree. The Holy Ghost then comes behind the word to confirm that the word is true. Can you say amen? amen? We haven't even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? They replied, the baptism of John. Paul replied, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. They were stuck in a past move of God. We're followers of John the Baptist. Okay, he's headless. Move along. And even John said he was coming to prepare the way. We could go, you know, I grew up Pentecostal. We could go to all kinds of churches in West Virginia in Eastern Ohio that think the secret recipe to revival is having everybody wash their makeup off and dress like they're on, on, on uh, Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> like, like a revival is going back to the 1950s. When in reality, every, you know the 1950s? T.L. Osborne put his tent up in San Antonio in 1952 and they burn it down. People in the city burn it down. So if you have this, this idea that if we could go back in time, America used to be a God-fearing place, then you need to read American history. Because there were always, they used to throw at the Cane Ridge Revival way back, hundreds of years. They would take their pot that they pee in and throw the pee at the preacher. Yeah, in the good old days. I've never had to deal with that. But I want to say thank you to this crowd for... <laughs> appreciate you not doing that, you know? paid a lot of money for this jacket Want it drenched in urine then I got some splaining to do to the dry cleaner what's with your clothes long story just clean them please yeah all that stuff all happened the old west mining towns had murder rates a hundred times higher than Chicago we just need to get back to old-fashioned yeah I'd go easy God isn't trapped in the past I said God isn't trapped in the past I don't have to go to Smith Wigglesworth's grave and lay on his, oh Lord, Uh, whatever was in him. What was in him was the Word and the Holy Ghost. And people's bodies may die, but the Word is alive, the Spirit's alive, and all that are hungry and thirsty, God will fill you tonight. What did Peter say to that crippled man? Such as I have, I have something. Oh, Lord, anoint me. The Bible says you've received an anointing. You have, not you will. You have received an anointing from the Holy One who is with you always. I just need more anointing. How do you know? You have a meter over your head? Are you a video game carrier, low on anointing, flashing red? You know what would help you? Is when you don't feel anointed, you're never wrong when you quote God. And the Bible says, you have an anointing that's with you always. So it's better to put your hand on your belly. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit who had not yet been given, but would be given to to the first 12 apostles. No, but would be given to all who believe. And I'm speaking to believers. I don't feel, I haven't felt a shred of skepticism in here. Even people that have come that are lost were like on their feet, jumping up and down before they come to the altar to get saved. Say, I'm a, I'm a believer. And then in being a believer, there's things that are entitled, that, 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 that belong to you, that you can receive by faith. I'm anointed. You can, when you don't feel anointed, don't go by how you feel. You'll end up in a mental institution. I used to feel annoyed, but now I feel like I, Who cares how you feel? And, and, and I, I have to deal with this because our generation loves feeling. They're, they're the most feeling-obsessed generation in world history. They can't even give the weather report without saying what it feels like. Tomorrow it's going to be 38. Feels like 35. Says who? What'd you get, like an emotionally despondent teenager? Have them go outside? What does it feel like? 35. 35. Feels like 35. No, it's 38. It feels like 38 because it's 38. It was how they feel. How you feeling, brother Jonathan? How you feeling, Pastor Dave? You must feel tired. I don't ask myself how I feel. My identity is not in my emotions or my physical feeling. My my identity is in what the Bible says about me. So I don't say I'm tired or I I feel depressed. I say I'm more than a conqueror. I am a child of the living God. I'm blessed with an irrevocable blessing because of what Christ has done. Don't say how you feel. Say what you believe. And what you believe will overtake your feelings in Jesus' name. Go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all ye people. Go ahead and make a joyful noise. The devil is defeated. Somebody shout hallelujah. Man, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad we transitioned from week one into week two. So, so sometimes it can go like this and you have to get it back, but not you people. You're great people. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say it better? Amen. amen. I heard a group of people left the church on at midnight on Friday and took a team out and witnessed from midnight till three in the morning. You, you know what that's, you know what that's called? Following the Holy Ghost. You can't tell me that was a fleshly plan. Hey, listen, let's meet up at midnight. We have a street witnessing team. We meet at midnight. No, who goes to church in their right mind for four hours and fifteen minutes, and then when it finishes, go? You know, I don't feel like I'm done yet. I feel like I got a few more bullets in the chamber. No, following the Holy Ghost—that's a God plan for people to get stirred in their spirit and say, "Let's keep going." And you'd think in a town this small there wouldn't be anybody out on the street, but there's a lot of. I went to Sheets a couple nights. After church, there's people wandering around, addicted to drugs, trouble, cops talking to people that you can tell they've talked to like 91 times that week. I saw two cops having a conversation with a guy at the Sheets parking lot, and they were like, they didn't want to arrest him. It was like the guy wanted to be arrested. I could see the cops. I couldn't hear them. I had the windows up in case shots got fired. I was hiding behind the door. But I was watching, you know, the cops were going like this. Like, come on. I don't want to arrest you. guy's been arrested so much his neighbors think he's a detective. There's always police cars in his thing. They don't want to arrest him. Those people are out roaming the streets as this place has been having drugs run through it, but that's getting stopped up. Can you say amen? Because God's going to flip it from it being... Listen now, God's going to flip this place from being a pipeline for fentanyl to a pipeline of the Holy Ghost into the United States straight out of Parkersburg. Hallelujah! Let's go! <laughs> you sound like the guys I play Call of Duty with. Let's go! After every kill. So I say, God's on the move. God's on the move. What baptism did you experience? John's baptism. John himself told the people to believe in Jesus, the one who would come later. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, everybody say believers. believers. I wasn't laying his hands on unbelievers. The Bible says he met several believers. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing the Holy Spirit be called the, the Holy Spirit of God. You know, he's his own person. It's not God the Father's spirit. God is a spirit. There's God the Father, person. God the Son, person. God the Holy Ghost, person. I know some people think it's all Jesus, but you have some explaining to do with a few scriptures. The Bible says when Jesus began his earthly ministry, that he went to get baptized by John. Think of this. Jesus went to get baptized by John. A voice spoke out of heaven. And said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. And the Holy Spirit came, descended like a dove. He wasn't, the Holy Spirit's not a bird. You know that? That'll help people. We found feathers in the revival. Okay. Someone's down filling got sucked up into the vent and thrown down. It's not the Holy Spirit. He's not a bird. He's God. We believe they're angel feathers. Well, you believe wrong. Angels don't shed feathers. They're not dying. Can you say amen? Amen. I feel like I ruined like two people's ministries, but it needs to be said. The Holy Spirit's a person, God the Father. Think of this now. God's not a force or a wind or a power. God has power. God has mighty force. But Adam walked with God the Father in the cool of the day. Even outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Revelation and the book of Acts, you have Jesus making Old Testament appearances. I am captain of the Lord's army. And Joshua laid down and worshipped him. No angel ever let people worship them. They would charge them, stand up and don't worship me. For I'm a servant of the Lord just like you. Jesus, you could, you could handle him. You could hold him. He has, you'll meet him in heaven. He's not 90 feet tall. You'll talk to him. We're created in his image and in his likeness. God the Father too. And the Holy Spirit, though he's omnipresent, he is a person. And his power... That we call the anointing. When it comes upon you, the Bible says when he laid his hands on them, the power, the Holy Spirit, who's omnipresent, came upon them. Think of that. The third, Jesus won't wrap his arms around you and travel with you. God the Father won't, but the Holy Spirit, who's omnipresent, can put his arms, the Holy Spirit, not the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all filled. How many of them? A-L-L. All of them. You know, I never get filled. Yes, that's called a bad confession. That's why you don't get filled. People, I brought a pillow and a sleeping bag. I'm, I'm prepared to stay all night to get the baptism. Okay. I don't understand people like you. Just receive. My daughter doesn't come to me on Christmas morning and go, I brought a pillow and a sleeping bag. I'm ready to stay here all night if I have to, to get the present. No, just open them. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a free gift that's received by faith. You don't have to plead for it. You don't have to beg for it. He's been given, freely poured out on all who are hungry and thirsty. That's why tonight, you know, it's going to be a good night. We're not in a room full of cold, dead, religious, lukewarm people. We're in a room full of people that said, I've been in church for a week, but I'm still hungry. I'm still thirsty. I want everything. Somebody say, I want it all. You ever go to, with a skinny person to an all you can eat buffet? They just wonder how their brain works. Come back with a plate that's like two thirds full of a few things. You know, it's like God's got this whole table prepared before us of anything you want. It's all been provided, the table's set. You don't have to beg. How many know they tarried in Jerusalem? Yes, because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. But then, once He was poured out, you'll never find anyone tarrying for the Holy Spirit again in the entire Bible. Then you have people now, nineteen hundred and some years later. Oh Lord, send Your Spirit. Read Acts two. He didn't come down and baptize them and then go up and seal himself in heaven. We need to break a portal open. No, it's open. He's not trapped. He was poured out. And he's being poured out. Can you say amen? Amen. You don't have to wonder where he is. He didn't make a brief stop in Asbury, Kentucky and then go back home. He's available in the, in the Old Testament. It was the dispensation of the Father. The Gospels, there was the Son. But Jesus said, there's one coming after me. It's actually better for you if I go than if I stay. For if I stay, I cannot send another. He, He is the Holy Spirit who is with you now, but later will be in you. Come on, if you know him, if you know the Holy Ghost, clap your hands and give God a mighty, mighty shout. Need the Holy Ghost. Before you sit back down, I'm telling you, if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and maintain that feeling coming out of you like a river. His spirit is a spirit of joy. It'll drive depression out of you. It'll drive weariness out of you. All the things people are taking pills, trying to combat, one move of that river will blow it clean out of your system in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Rivers, not a trickle, not a stream, rivers. That river flows out, it'll change. A river changes an area. If you open up a river, I mean, if you go on Google Maps, I think it's still dark in Egypt. If you look at Egypt on Google Maps, there's only activity along that Nile River and the whole rest, there's no lights. The whole country's dark except by that river. Rivers bring life to a place. You know, when we opened our church, the manager of Permani Brothers came with a gift basket, a big, huge gift basket for our whole ministry team. Our man, he's not, a, I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I just want to thank you guys. Our building has been packed with people eating ever since you opened this church. That's what cities don't understand. They want the tax revenue. Oh, if you don't have the church, you don't get the taxes. You ever hear about indirect revenue genius? A a thriving church is a one-man reclamation project of a city. Somebody was telling me that I was talking to here. They're like, man, all these people in here have businesses and hire people from the church. Yeah, you get a Holy Ghost church. I went to go see Jimmy Swaggart's church in Baton Rouge. When they bought that land, it was a cow field. Now there's hotels. What happens when you start having a thousand people? Let's say this. Now I'm leaving. I'm going to South Carolina next week. What I'm saying about like a long revival. What, what was the problem with Asbury, Kentucky? Not enough hotels. What would be the problem here if people kept coming in from Ohio and Minnesota? We had people driving in from Minnesota on week one. What if hungry people started coming in from all the other states? Let, let me ask you. Does Parkersburg have enough lodging to have a thousand people come in the hotels? They don't have a thousand extra rooms for people to come. They would have to build new hotels. A church brings life. Rivers bring life. Not dead churches with 17 people staring at each other. Live churches have life. Our, our mutual friend, Pastor Bob Nichols is watching right now. He has that river on the inside of him. He'll take you anytime you go to Fort Worth. He wants to show you the spot where he got the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Still crying about it. In 87, that's where I got baptized. Because that baptism will change you. The greatest gift God ever gave to the world was Jesus. But the greatest gift God gave to the church is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire that sets you above. It not only sets you above the attack of the devil. It <clears throat> this, is, this is a great meeting. They used to sing a song when I was growing up. There's a feeling in the air that God is everywhere and moving in power resurrection power that I that's, I can tell this was the kind of meeting that was birthday you can feel God in the air of this place Jesus is here he said wherever two or three gather I'm there in their midst get ready for the best night that you've ever had in your life in Jesus name nobody's leaving here bound nobody if you believe it shout amen like thunder Think of how important this baptism was. That Paul meets new believers. He knows, oh, where are you guys going to church? What, what are you currently studying in the Bible? Oh, you're believers? Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because if you haven't, you're going to be a constant prayer project. You have two choices in Christianity. You can either get baptized in the Holy Ghost and maintain a continual, filling, filling, and flow of that spirit's not enough to... I got baptized back in 1973. What have you done since then? Why do you look like you were baptized in pickle juice? On. Praise the Lord, I received the baptism in 1974 and spoke in tongues. Great. But it ain't 1974 anymore. Paul said, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, Be not drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. But instead... Be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek, there's a continuous tense on filled that you can't translate into English because we don't have a word for it. But it, it would be best translated, maintain a continuous filling. Listen to that. Don't be drunk with wine. But what did they call the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts? These men are drunk. And Peter didn't say, no, they're not. He said, they're not drunk as you suppose. You want to know how I got 24.8 acres of land for free? Being drunk. You know how we got a steel building for that price when they said there's a shortage of steel? Being Getting intoxicated with the Holy Ghost. Said, no, we're not going to wait on steel. God's going to do it for us. If you stay drunk... On that natural alcohol, it messes your life up. But if you maintain an intoxication of the Holy Ghost, brother, you'll do more this year than all the rest of your year life put together. So you, you, won't, you won't have a, pre- a preacher admonish you to do this much, but you need in 2023 until the rapture happens, you need to stay drunk. Amen. Stay drunk on the new wine of the Holy Ghost. When they beat your back and throw you in prison and you start singing, that's drunk behavior. (laughs) Man, do you think we would please please you? We ought to please God rather than men. That's a a drunk talking. When you come at a giant and tell him, hey, my nine foot six inch friend, I've heard you've been running your mouth against my God for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to shut your mouth personally today. Oh, who are you? You're just a boy with a stick and a stone. Oh yeah, these? I'm not coming at you with this. This is just what I'm going to use to kill you. I come at you in the name of the God, whose I am and whose I serve. Today I'll cut off your head and I'll feed your body to the birds. That's a 17-year-old drunk talking. But when you have beer goggles on, you think you can beat everybody. But you get knocked out or killed. But when you're drunk on the Holy Ghost, it's not fake. It's not some, some fake thing. It's that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I shall not be defeated. I will not give up and quit. I'm not trying to make it in my own power. I have, <laughs> I have resurrection life flowing through me like a mighty river. Interesting, isn't it, that David took Goliath out in 1 Samuel 17? What happened in 1 Samuel 16? Samuel was sent to David, to Jesse's house. This will teach you something on how the gifts of the Spirit work, too. Because anytime somebody calls somebody out in the gifts, or like, like on Friday, there's going to be a major fentanyl bust this week, God's going to shut the supply line, and he knows all that. Why does he say what the lottery numbers are? Because it's not that you know everything. It's called word of knowledge, word of wisdom, where God puts a piece of what he knows in your mind. If God put everything he knew in your mind, your head would blow off. So what did he tell Samuel? If you were to ask Samuel on his way to Jesse's house, which son was going to be king, he had no idea. And he is a mighty prophet. He had all the sons stand before him, and he was actually sure it was going to be the first one. Tall, handsome, West Point graduate, he's already serving in the military. Oh, truly, this is the Lord's anointing. And that's where God gave him the revelation. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. No, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. Goes down the line, comes to the last son. And that's, that's, that's quite a proficiency in the gifts of the Spirit, to come to the last son and not go, well, it wasn't any of you, so it must be you. But he said, no, it's not you either, so there's some son you have that you, you haven't brought out. And Jesse said, true. We don't really bring him around when company's over. He's out singing songs to the sheep. And Samuel said, that's the one. Maybe that was the kid you were in your family. Your own parents were proud of all your siblings except you. You're a little weird. But God can work with a little weird. Not a lot of weird, but a little weird. God can work with people that are despised and rejected of men that people don't see any value in you, God sees value in you. I said God sees value in you. And when the anointing comes upon you, what did Samuel do? Samuel took that flask of oil, poured it over David's head, and the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now what happened after he got anointed? He got anointed, within about two paragraphs, he's working in the king's palace. Not minimum wage, he goes from work taking care of sheep to working in the king's palace. Then at the end of that, at the end of 17, he's killed Goliath walking around with his severed head like a Louis Vuitton purse. Did you hear what I did today? And he got two rewards he got Saul's daughter as a wife, and he got tax exempt status for life. That all took place after he was anointed. I was talking with somebody, they're in charge of a pretty major thing in the country, in Christianity, and we were talking. Every time they put somebody that had a PhD and, and, and wasn't a minister in charge of this thing, but they had a great resume, and I'm not, I'm not promoting stupidity, there's nothing wrong with having a PhD. Some things you have to have it, or you, you know, you can't amateurly practice medicine. I never went to school, but I just like doing surgeries. <laughs> You're gonna go to jail. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> You can't hook someone up to an IV and it's like a cut in half, two liter Sprite bottle upside down. It's never good when you ring your doctor's door and a dog starts barking. Just a word of advice. So I'm not knocking education. But I was talking with this older minister. I said, every time a preacher's been in charge of this thing, it flourished. And every time they put something, somebody in charge that just had like an amazing resume, the thing almost collapsed. And we were talking about... There used to be this great value on the anointing. I mean, you couldn't get meetings. I still preach for some guys like that that are close to 80. You know, when they book you. Now, what do you do? You get people healed. Like, in other words, why should I have you in? You get people, they don't want to know about like, what you speak, how good your speech is. What do you do? What happens in your meetings? What happens supernaturally to my church if I have you in? They want to know. They value the anointing. And then this new generation came up, of which I'm a part of, but I never joined my generation. Because I hung around older people that value the anointing. They don't value the anointing. They value lofty speech and nice words. Your average preacher that's 30 years old, 35, 40, 45, they spent more time buying their outfit and getting lined up at the barber than they did in prayer and fasting and preaching. It's all appearance and word. And that's why they can have a 30 minute message dismissed, Roll it back again. Do the same jokes in the same places. The same putting your hand on your face and pausing to think. Because it's a show. That's actually why a lot of churches had no trouble going to online only during COVID. Because there's actually no ministry to the people anyway. They even will teach at the Bible colleges. Don't look at the people. Look over the tops of their heads. And so today, as we're here at this revival meeting, we must come into contact in our own cells with understanding am i serving god or am i serving others as well or have i picked one and so it's as if yeah so then i can i can get rid of all you and then just do it on a camera because it's big and you can play that on a screen because basically if the guy's live you might as well be watching them on a screen but that's not how it worked in the book of acts there were not just teaching and preaching there was a a drop of the fire of the Holy Ghost in that place, healing the sick, casting out devils, and raising people up. That's what God's doing here in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive it, go ahead one more time. Take 30 seconds. Clap your hands. Let God hear. He's got an army to work with. Oh, Now say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I want the fire. Say, I don't want the smoke. I want the fire. Say this, I don't want to know someone who's on fire. I want the fire. I want Jesus in me. I want the Holy Ghost in me. I want the Holy Ghost power on me. Well, God's going to give you what you asked for tonight. I'm going to tell you something. There are demonic principalities in this region that are already on heart medication and blood pressure medication from last week. They're going to go full out nervous breakdown this week because tonight you're leaving here with tongues of cloven fire settled on each of your heads to do the work of God. So as we continue with this study, (laughs) as soon as they heard this, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all spoke in tongues, in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Tongues was to evangelize people. It's not like it was in in church now, where they all just speak in tongues. Back in the book of Acts, tongues was only to evangelize because so the gospel could get out. Okay, then explain Acts 19 to me, my friend. Who were they evangelizing when they spoke in tongues? Paul? Had Paul backslidden at the end of chapter 18? Had he backslidden since he laid hands on them? And they were speaking to him in his language? No. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to some jerk online. It's amazing how people have such strict, correct rules for Bible interpretation, and then they all go out the window when it comes to the Holy Ghost to throw it away. There's a book, there's a book that was written by a Southern Baptist uh, scholar. I think he was from Dallas Theological Seminary. I might have the wrong... I'm talking like a major guy, Southern Baptist, and he had the idea that he was going to reread the Bible with no lenses and no filters i want to forget everything I was taught, but people say. well, that doesn't mean that. And I'm just going to read it. He not only came to the conclusion that he was wrong, he got himself baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And then he started preaching on that healing's for today because there's no verse, there's nothing close that says healing died with the last apostle. There's no verse from Paul. Um, Timothy, just so you know, I'm getting pretty old. So if people need healed, better get them here quick. Because when I die, it's over. Every man for himself. You can't call on Jesus anymore. Only Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. You ain't going to read that in the Bible. How can you not believe in miracles? You can't go four paragraphs in that book without bumping into a miracle. Jesus Christ has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord God, and I change not. He's a miracle-working God. Well, Timothy, Paul was unable to get Trophis healed. In his own writings, he said, I left Trophis sick at Miletus, so we can already see that the, the move of God was dying out because the, the canon had almost been formed. Well, if you're going to use that, then the Holy Ghost was already starting to die out in Jesus' ministry. Because Mark chapter 6 says Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. It right. wasn't that the Holy Spirit was dying out. It's that the Bible doesn't lie. Yeah. It's not the Koran that turns everybody into a superhero. It tells you that David committed adultery. It tells you that a guy that Paul prayed for, he couldn't get him healed. He told the truth. But you can't base theology on what the Bible doesn't say. You base theology on what the Bible does say. And Peter, listen now. When the baptism, look, look, look at it with me. Put a marker in. I mean, I'll be able to read better if I turn it right side up. Something I've learned in my years in ministry. Turn to Acts chapter one. Somebody say, "Follow the Holy Ghost." Oh, yes. And I had to learn that. It took me a while. Well, you know, when you prepare a message all afternoon. And you're excited to tell that message. You've studied and worked hard. And then you get to the service and feel like, And it's like a river. It's like coming up. You're, 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 no, I'm, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. I need to. No. Actually, the rabbit trail was the right trail. That other trail that you made, you made it. It's a, good, it's a good speech. It's biblically based. Everything you're saying is true. But it's not God's bullseye for that night. I'll tell you where I first learned it. I'll tell you two times I first learned it. Number one, I was preaching at a youth camp for the Assemblies of God, the Pennsylvania Delaware District. And when I was preparing my message in the speaker's cabin, I felt the Lord speak to me. It was like, I had had a few times a word of knowledge for a person, but I never had one for a whole congregation. I felt the Lord speak to me. There are people in, there are youth pastors and their wives, many of them that have brought their kids to camp. They were on fire for me. They went to Bible school. They're still on fire. But the church they're working at isn't paying them enough to live. So the the husband's in-laws are putting pressure on them. How are you going to provide for my daughter? You're making 50 bucks a week. You you can't live like that, living in the church basement or whatever. What are you doing? And it's a financial stranglehold to push them out of the ministry. Take tonight and minister to the youth pastors and their wives. Well, they don't want that at a district camp. They want the, teen- the teenagers to get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I start preaching whatever text the Lord gave me to deal with it. I don't know anything about that. I'm 22. I don't have a wife. I don't have in-laws. I- it was all by the word of knowledge. In fact, if you want to see me preach by the word of knowledge, watch the first time I ever preached in Philadelphia, in North Philadelphia, when I did that crusade. I was preaching, and as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, what? how do you know these things? I don't have any way to relate to, to people from North Philadelphia and the projects. I'm from the suburbs. I had, I had two Christian minister parents. And it's 90% unchurched, unsaved, raw heathens at that meeting. We went door to door and invited them. And this stuff's coming out of my mouth. The reason you go to jail is what's the point of being alive. The reason you get shot and shoot. What's the point of being alive when you don't have anywhere to go? And, and there's no future. I'm thinking, I don't know. It's like I could feel by the Spirit what they're feeling. I was telling everybody why you think the way you do and why you feel the way. And I didn't know it. My brain's gone. how do you know this is an amazing sermon? Everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. As I'm preaching, I'm watching more people come out of the projects and lean up against the fence. One guy, he, I still remember, he had a Deshaun Jackson jersey on, and he brought a, a, a bottle of, of alcohol. You know, he wasn't thinking; it's not his fault. We're not in church; we're at a park outdoors. And I'm letting it rip, and he's going, "Amen." That's right, and he's not mocking me. That's right. You tell him. Then he went to take the third sip. I watched, it, and he goes. And he got saved. Follow the Holy Ghost. I said, follow the Holy Ghost. Somebody say a river. river. Say a mighty river. river. From within. within. Why was Peter saying that to that crippled man? Silver and gold is not what I have, but such as I have. Now let us pray. We're actually going to a prayer meeting. Can we get your name? We'll put you on the list. No, what I have. I have something right now. doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not. You have it. That night when I was preaching at that youth camp, I started getting, see, when you get into that flow, you know, whatever people want to call it, the prophetic, it's the flow of the Holy Ghost. And it's beyond just prophecy and vocal gifts. It's all the gifts plus signs and wonders. You get into that flow. And so when I got into the flow, I saw saying about in-laws going to pressure people to quit the ministry. You've already had talks with your wife. That we know we're called, but we can't live like this. God's going to do something to make, make the finances good on your calling. Well, this young this lady starts crying. And I said, ma'am, she's a youth pastor's wife. I didn't know them. I said, stand up and come here. She came down the aisle. As she got close to me, I was just going to pray for her. I felt the Lord speak to me to pray for her. But like with Samuel and Jesse's sons. When I got close to her, I knew she had an eating disorder that when that pressure came see pressure and stress will open a door that's why the bible says don't worry about anything in, in the original language don't stress or have anxiety it opens a door it's like Just like faith is a magnet for God's power, worry, unbelief, and fear is a magnet to the devil's power. And I'm telling you, any fear, any unbelief that's been resident in your life, that magnet is destroyed and that open door to the devil's power is shut tonight. You're leaving here free. You're leaving here free. You're leaving here free. So when I got closer to pray for her, I, I knew she had an eating disorder. How would I, I know that? i had never had one. None of my friends had one on the hockey team. That, 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 mostly that's a lady thing. I don't I, I know anything about it. The devil entered and is trying to destroy this lady's body, body. It's causing problems in her marriage because her husband doesn't know how to deal with it. It's having the shield from the rest of the youth that is the most oppressed person in the ministry. Is his own wife. That's what people go through. I can't tell you how many times I thought, I started realizing even the purpose of a meeting. I would think I was in a church to have a revival and by night two, and it shouldn't have taken me that long. I realized I was there because that pastor's 14-year-old son is disconnecting from the faith and on his way out. And my mission there is to bring him back in, whatever anybody else gets good for them. And yeah, the meeting would grow and stuff, but I knew my assignment. Sometimes I knew I was there for the preacher's wife. She was disconnected. She was under attack. So you get in the flow, and the best way to get in the flow and stay in the flow is get around people who are in the flow, not people who mock it, not people who malign it, not people who make fun of it. I used to think we had to lay our hands on everyone and have everyone fall down and roll around. But I never noticed much change. Then you were pushing them. Then It's your fault. You're an idiot. I don't like you. This imaginary person, I don't like you. Don't tell me somebody can get so hit with heaven's voltage that it knocks them off their feet and rolls them around and they didn't notice much change. You're full of crap. You've made that excuse up. So that not to flow in the Holy Ghost. That's a little line you came up with. So you can dismiss your 7 o'clock service at 8.15. And again, not to overcompliment your pastor. That's why I'm, I'm in heaven here. Which it's West Virginia anyway, which is almost heaven. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. As, and I'm not puffing myself up or making myself a great example. But I have stood for the Holy Ghost. I was preaching in South Africa, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. And if somebody can piece together which church it was, good. Because I hate this stuff. The pastor that invited me, he's in heaven now. He went to heaven in his 70s. His son was, was set to take over. His son belongs in the ministry as much as I belong to be a spaceman. He had great credentials. He's emptied the church out. His, dad, his dad's only been dead uh, a year and a half. The church is, is empty. Because he doesn't belong in the ministry. He's as spiritual as my golden retriever poodle mix I have at home, named Christopher. Because we let my daughter name, her, name the dog, and she picked Christopher, the stupidest name for a dog I've ever heard. He'd get off his leash and go run, and I'd have to go outside and call him. I'm in a neighborhood. Christopher! Christopher! He won't answer to Chris. Christopher! i got half my neighbors going, I think that pastor's gay. <laughs> got some guy living in his house named Christopher. They're fighting all the time. <laughs> Christopher! <laughs> Christopher! You get back here, Christopher! I love you! <laughs> so, so this son... Your pastor's about to get raptured all by himself. <laughs> this, this guy, so the, the, the guy who invited me is in charge of the morning service. And then his son's in charge of the night service. Now, the morning service, I played by the rules. I understand morning services are their own thing. But we said, you know, I came by their invitation. I flew myself. They didn't fly me. Took took 17 hours, then drove four hours on the wrong side of the road, rented a car, sitting on the wrong side of the car, driving on the wrong side of the road. Wanna hear a story story about that? I rented a Mercedes, thankfully, and I had on a suit, because I was gonna preach, I was going straight to the platform. I forgot about being on the wrong side of the road and stuff, and I ended up driving on the wrong side of construction cones, which here would have been the right side, And I realized I'm driving my car on an active highway work zone. So I slowed down, and all these construction guys are staring at me like, who wants to kill this idiot first? And there's a policeman there. So I thought, there's only one way to get out of this. I'm gonna see if it works. I'm in a suit, I'm in a Mercedes. I slowly rolled down the window and put my arm out. And I came to a stop and I, before the cop could say anything to the construction guys, I went, how much time's left on the project? And they went, they went, uh, they went, we should have it done by the end of the month. I went, all right, you're doing a good job. If you need to take another extra couple of weeks, that's fine too. And they said, thank you. And I rolled my window up and got the H-E-C-K out of there. When you don't know what to do, take over, amen. And those guys all got read the riot act a month later. What's taking so long? You told us we'd go two hours later, two two weeks later. So I get to this church. Everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. So I get to that church and that guy's son says, we like to be done. You know, church starts at seven. We'll have, we have to do a couple things. We'll have you the mic at 745 tonight. If you could be done by 815. I can't. I, I can't even say hello in under an hour. You know that. Thanks for not saying amen. Making me feel bad. And I, I, didn't, I didn't fly there to have I can't flow in that, in that amount of time. And he's not the pastor. So not, I just nodded my head. And he said, you know, I know a lot of times you guys feel like you get anointed and you go longer, but our people will start to leave at 8.30. I handed him the mic back at 11.40 just to prove a point because he ticked me off with his little maligning comment about the anointing. I preached, I gave an altar call to get saved. I lined up everybody like we're gonna do tonight, laid hands on everybody, and then no one left. I mean, nobody. And when I handed the mic back, I went, I didn't see anybody leave, did you? Place was like triple what it was Sunday, because I'd been on TV in South Africa for about three years. And so they came. No one left. People, see, it's the thing I started saying last week. You don't battle devils in the ministry. You cast out devils. They're not difficult. I'm thousands of years old. I'm the, yeah, good for you. Get out. We're all proud of you. You can get a gold star on your demon sticker chart. I'm the most powerful spirit in West Virginia. Good. Do you get like a free snapback hat or what? (laughs) You don't battle demons. You battle this religious structure. The the people just really aren't hungry here like they used to be. Because you, you ruined them. They were hungry and you turned church into some garbage TED talk. People are dying. People are on like 19. I preached in, in Massachusetts. Like, I know people. I know what people, I, I get around people. There was a lady in Massachusetts. I had a five week meeting in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. There was a lady that came to that meeting that told me, This is my first time out of the house in I can't remember how many years. How many of you were here last week when I played those testimonies of that, that lady, that, those two women that hadn't walked? Died. They're dying. They don't need a, a little motivation. They need resurrection, or they'll they'll die, and their husband loses his wife. And I don't like that. Yeah, amen. How many of you were here Friday? Yeah. What I tell you? Why did I curse the heroin or the fentanyl distribution? I said I ain't getting the ministry to do funerals. Enough burying people. I said in fact, and then it rose up out of the river. How come I didn't curse fentanyl on Monday? How come I didn't do it tonight? You don't do what you want. You get in the flow and God wanted somebody to bind that thing. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll back you from heaven. And that thing is getting flushed down hell's commode. And this place is on fire. Form of godliness, but deny the power, have nothing to do with people like that. Look at Jesus' last instructions. To the disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem. Until the father sends you the gift he promised. Don't evangelize. Don't plant churches. Don't leave this place. Until you receive the gift I told you about. How come these people make such a big deal about the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus made a big deal about them. Paul made a big deal about him, and Peter made a big deal about him. It's not some small part of the Bible. It's like saying, why do you make such a big deal about God the Father? Because he's worth making a big deal about. The Godhead's not pick your favorite two. We like the Father and Son. I'm not too big on the Holy Ghost. Well, you're not going to be too big on heaven either. Somebody say, I want the Holy Ghost. He'll change, he'll change everything. He'll change things you couldn't change in three lifetimes in one week. He'll take you from where you are in life right now. to. He'll give you 50 years of progress in like a week. He'll give you 24.8. How much? Let me tell you something. $5.7 million building, 24.8 acres of land excavation. If I'm doing that in my own strength, how how long are we talking here? 35 years, 40 years? I'd be 82 to go where I'm going to go at the end of this summer, Lord willing. Because I'm not doing it. I didn't get a bunch of carnal people that know about building and know about uh, capital campaigns. I'm not calling a bunch of people that are good at raising money. I don't read that in the Bible. And Peter called Church Inc. And had them fund it. And, and Peter, what, what scripture did you read? Peter was able to secure a good interest rate. I'll make you the lender. And never the borrower. You will lend to many, but thou shalt not borrow. That's what the Bible says. I said, that's what the Bible says. And I'm trying to preach this to you because Jesus is coming soon. You don't have 50 years to toil and labor. God wants people to get in this river and flow before he calls us back out of the earth. You know why I canceled my Wednesday service and get a bus to bring people down here? Because I failed to. As I was preaching. I basically make all my decisions for the ministry while I'm preaching. While I'm preaching the anointings on me, Lord will start giving me ideas. Do this. Do this. And I write it down. And then when I feel the unction to preach lift and I get back in my regular mind, I go, that's crazy. That's going to be a lot of extra money. I don't care. Hey, shut up. I wasn't asking you. Just concentrate on looking at the line on ways and get me home. I'm not asking my mind to make ministry decisions because God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thought. His ways are past finding out. What did God tell David Young Cho that built in his generation had the largest church on planet Earth? He said, I don't know how to do it, what you're asking me to do. I don't have any way to plan it. And God said, that's why I use you because you're not smart enough to plan. There's no way to plan. Let me ask you a question. How in the natural could any of us, including me or him, make a plan by program to fill this church like it's been filled all week and will be filled more this week? If we had a a retired football player that's a Christian, that's a famous football player, it, it might not, it wouldn't have drawn this. Feats of strength, people doing motorcycle tricks on the platform. Dancing women, Hillary Clinton can't draw this with free beer and hot dogs. That's a fact. Ber- Ber- Bernie Sanders can't drop. Republican people can't drop with all that ad time. We couldn't have got together got a to put, how can we pack this church for two weeks? There's no way to do it in the flesh. But if you get in the flow, you start realizing... You have a current at your back. The best way I could describe it is like this. Another place I was at in South Africa, East London, there was an Italian cafe that was about a mile and a half from my hotel. And, and East London, South Africa is right on the beach. So it was a nice walk in the morning, in the, in the sun, on the ocean, walk a mile and a half and go eat. This guy had moved there from Italy and started a restaurant. And it was good food, good, good coffee. So I'd walk. The one morning I woke up, there were gale force plus winds. 55 or 60 miles an hour. That walk to the restaurant, I had that wind in my face. It was difficult. It felt like leg day with half of the walk still to go. I'm talking a wind strong enough I had to take my sunglasses off, because it was the type, it would blow them off your face and they'd just be gone. But I was committed to eat. That's one thing that's always motivated me, is food. So I'm walking. It was hard walking. So I went to that cafe, wrote my notes and studied for the day. And then I went to walk home. And I forgot, because in, in the natural, I'm not that bright. I was thinking, oh, shoot, man, i got to do this walk again. But on the way home, I was walking in the opposite direction. So instead of having the wind in my face, I had the wind at my back. Now, I'm telling you, I had to, main, I had to use leg strength to not run. Because that thing was hitting my back like a sail. I, I was walking like a, like a 17th century British man. I looked like Deion Sanders. going. It was like bl- every step. I felt like I was, I was getting picked up and moved several extra steps. And I'm telling you, most people, and I feel bad. I'm not mocking. I feel bad when I hear preachers say stuff like ministry's not easy, you know. Yeah, it's not easy with the wind in your face. But you should try it with the wind at your back. And I'm telling you, there is a release from heaven over the body of Christ globally right now because Jesus is coming soon. The day will come and is here, says the Lord, where the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. Amos 9 13, the day will come, says the Lord, where the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, and the mountains will drip with sweet wine. That's talking about abundance and supernatural harvest. Faster than you can plant the seed, the harvest comes in. Where'd all those miracles come from in seven days for that property? Excavation, steel building, where it's looking like instead of it being three years, one, one lady that knows a lot about building that's involved with us, you and I think you guys might, not speaking in faith, speaking like, like realistically, you guys might get in there by the end of summer. I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying the track it's on. In fact, if it continues on last week's track, we might be in there before the end of this week. Just have angels doing the construction. Hallelujah. Say out loud, I see possibility then when we were talking about building and we were back in the, in the um, pipeline, what did they call it? Where everything was like slowed down, pipeline delay, pipeline, like if you needed lumber, you couldn't get any concrete. What was it called again? Supply chain shortage. We were talking about it at church. I said, what are the Amish doing? How are the Amish putting barns up in one day? How, where do they get the permits and stuff? And then we had a guy start coming to our Bible college. That's Amish. I don't think he's Amish anymore. Once they get a taste of electricity and toilets, they're they're done. Next thing you know, he had on like ripped jeans and stuff like that. So I said, what do the the Amish do? Don't tell me it takes three years to build a building. Are the Amish taking three years? No, but they, they do it differently. I said, I'll fill out the paperwork I have to to be a registered Amish church in Pennsylvania if that gets the permits waived. I'll put on a straw hat and grow out a little beard. I don't care. I'm on a mission. I said, I'm on a mission. Say, so I see possibility. I don't see delay and limitation. And if there is, just like you curse the, the fentanyl distribution, you can bind whatever needs bound and you can loose whatever needs loose. I'm telling you, every opposition that's in your path, the Lord is clearing it out today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shall I receive it? Receive it. Now say these words with me say, Holy Ghost power. This is Jesus speaking. Don't do anything. Acts of the apostles. Well, the apostles are now dead. So those acts are over. It's actually, and it says it in older Bibles, the acts of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. It wasn't them doing it. It was God doing it. So they're dead, but he's not. Amen. The builder of the church, Jesus, is very much alive. And he's as available now for anybody. This is the latter rain. The early rain and now the latter rain. We're unlike them. Yeah, why did, why did God take Paul up into the third heaven and stuff? He didn't have Brother Hagin's books. He didn't, he didn't have Teal Osborne's book Healing the Sick. So the Lord taught him, we have this, we have libraries. Of people that evangelized and preached for 50 and 60 years telling you what they've learned. How to flow in the anointing. What hinders the anointing? What grows the anointing? I'm just praying for revival. How about read? How about carrying it? Say this out loud I'm not praying for a revival. I carry revival in my spirit. Say this wherever the sole of my foot shall tread. I'm on land that already belongs to me. I'm telling you right now, because when, when, when we stayed open during COVID, people say, oh, if you get arrested, what are you going to do? The same thing I would do anywhere you put me, this, I would preach. Do you know the, 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 the prison they would have sent me to, I already was preaching at. I'm not stupid. All these preachers were afraid to go to prison. I already know a ton of people in there, including the warden got baptized in the Holy Ghost in one of my revival meetings. So I would already had special protection, conjugal visits with my wife. I had it all set up. I'm not stupid. The gangs in prison would have had a fantasy draft to see which gang gets me. I'm friends with all of them. I went and preached to them. I did all that stuff. I know them. What would you do if you went to prison? Oh, wait to get out? No. In fact, that warden was already... Uh, trying to see if she could get state money to build a chapel because we started to have so many people sign up for when I would come that they couldn't fit them in the common area. And she was a Christian warden. She was going to get a chapel. I promise you. This is what people don't understand. And I, I, I love how attentive everybody is. I'm not going to keep you here all night. But, but since you're hungry, let me tell you a couple things. The anointing, if you're anointed, they could drop you. They could drop Pastor Dave in rural Mongolia. And he could find an interpreter and then he would very shortly have a church of this size doing this amount of things in Mongolia because what produced it? The anointing. And that's what the government doesn't understand. They think, like let's say the government froze all my ministry bank accounts and all my personal bank accounts and seized all my ministry property and seized that land. I would have more land and more money very quickly Because you can stop up Isaac's wells, but you can't stop up Isaac's blessing. It's not the wells that produce the blessing. It's not the bank account that produces the blessing. It's the anointing on the inside. That's where the Bible starts talking about streams. See, if you don't understand that, then you're gonna say dumb things that hinder, hinder your advancement. The economy's not good in Parkersburg. And we're under a Democrat um, leadership that's been unkind to business. And you're gonna because you think that stuff has the power to block the anointing. But I'm telling you, you could drop me. I'm not saying this in pride. I'm saying it, bragging on the efficacy of the Holy Ghost. You could okay. You throw Paul in prison, right? He prays, and he doesn't say, "Can we get a lawyer?" He prays, which releases the anointing. The effectual fervent prayer, Uh, everybody say effectual, fervent, Fervent. so it's not just prayer. That's why some people's prayers never get answered and they they teach that way. What seven steps, seven reasons why God doesn't answer prayer. I can give you one reason. You don't know how to pray. You pray like, like an Englishman. Oh God, we just come to thee right now. We just ask you to bless these meetings. Lord, be with us as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe on the highways. Bless those who give and those who not, have not to give. Comfort us. Be with the shut-ins. Be with those on the prayer list. In Jesus, in thy name we pray. Amen. you can cross that off the order of service and go on. You didn't. The prayer never left the ceiling. Effectual, fervent prayer. Elijah, after he called fire down from heaven, went and bowed with his head between his face between his knees i don't know whether he did yoga or what i've tried that i can't come close (laughs) but he was you understand he was taking a position it wasn't you know oh lord we just come to you right now we just it's been in a drought for a long time we just ask if thou will send the rain and if it not be thy will we understand No, he prayed and the the book of james says about prayer Elijah was as human as we are. A man subject to like passions. In the New Living Translation, was, they, these guys were not walking around with glowing orbs of light over their head. They're like us. Subject to like passions. As human as we are. In fact, if you read another chapter later, he's suicidal. They weren't levitating and stuff. They were regular people who got angry and hungry and everything else. But the Bible says when he prayed, The rain fell. uh, Then it draws that into you. The prayer, not of Elijah, the prayer of a righteous man. All the men in here, lift your right hand to God. Say, thank you, Father. By the blood of Jesus, I'm a righteous man. The blood of Jesus has made me righteous. You don't try to be righteous. You've been made righteous. All the women lift your right hand up to the Lord. Because that, that word man is like human. It's, it's met, there's no longer male or female, Jew or Greek. Say, I am, I am a, righteous woman. a righteous woman. I'm anointed by God, I'm anointed by God. To, do great and to do great and mighty things. You can put your hand down. I'm telling you, I've met people where I know somebody was praying for that guy. You know, people, Why is John Einstein, have all that money. Gee, I wonder. Hmm. What do you think happens when you have two Holy Ghost-filled parents that John Osteen would take every Monday at his office and from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. write and sign checks to send to the mission field and then pray that God would use his children. Some of you didn't have, that's why it, life's been hard for people. You didn't have somebody praying for you. You did somebody cursing you. You yeah, didn't see you know, wait till you're playing the heat on this place. You think I easy? Wait till you think, oh that. But your children are never gonna have that because you got messed up at this meeting and now you're gonna start to tell your children, every battle I had to fight growing up, you're never gonna have to fight those battles because the blessing of the Lord has, Ah, go ahead and celebrate it. Go ahead and celebrate it. Rejoice ahead of time. It only takes one person in a family Be blessed. Yes. Gee, when you look at Joel Osteen, you'd almost think he had two parents praying for him. Everybody, say prayer. prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man produces makes in, in the amplified makes great power available. Yes. Say it again. Effectual. Effectual. Fervent. Fervent. You don't have the fentanyl video from Pittsburgh, do you? Do you have the ability to get it? it take it take as long as you know, I know just sprung it on you. Because this thing that happened in Parkersburg happened up in Pittsburgh one day during a prayer meeting. I was praying. I didn't have it in the notes. I was praying in tongues, actually. And then it popped up. I cursed the the supply line of fentanyl in Pittsburgh. Same thing happened. The next day they had the biggest fentanyl bust in Pittsburgh. We have it all on video because I don't expect people to believe it. So we videoed it. I can bind what I want, according to the word of God, that's in God's will, and I can loose what I want. And God said He'll back me on both things. I just wish something would be done about it. I'm going to do something about it. My prayers will do something about it. Elijah said, Gee, I wish it'd start raining. He prayed. Then when he didn't see an answer to his prayer, he told the servant, go check again. Okay. Yep, still blue. Check again. There's no way my prayer is not getting answered. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man carries, makes great power available and produces results. I was preaching in Indiana. And the the pastor at the end of the service, uh, we did Sunday through Wednesday. Wednesday night, he said, do you remember this one lady that used to come to your meetings? And he described her. I said, yeah. I was actually wondering why she wasn't here. If I said something in the last year and a half that ticked her off on Facebook or what? He said, no, she's in the hospital on life support. She has, um, she has a bacterial infection that spread through her whole body, and it's not looking like she's going to make it. The family wanted to know if you'd come pray for her. Everybody say Prayer. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Watch this. It's a short video. I curse heroin addiction. I curse the supply line of fentanyl into this city. Oh, it's In anniversary. Jesus' name, I curse. I curse Same the week. supply line of heroin and fentanyl into this city. There will be arrests in the next seven days. The police will think they caught a lucky break, but it's not luck. In Jesus' name, let a curse come upon everybody that has a hand in the supply of drugs to this city. FBI, CIA, corrupt DEA, regular gang members, anybody that has their hand in the supply of drugs to this city. I curse that. In Jesus' name, enough deaths. Enough parents having to bury their children. In Jesus' name. This is the man state agents arrested in one of the largest fentanyl busts in recent memory. You now we are talking about a lot of drugs. They found seven hundred thousand individual doses of fentanyl at his Pittsburgh-area home. Channel 11's Gabriella DeLuca is live now with how local and state law enforcement piece this all together. Gabby, you can take it down and turn the lights back. Please, and David, the state attorney general. Why? Because whatever the effectual fervor well, See, I, I played that mostly so you could hear how I was praying. Oh, Lord, our hearts are just grieved as we hear those that have been broken by drugs in the city. We just ask you. The only person that enjoys that prayer is the devil. Good prayer. Have them pray more. And I had, I had no plans on praying about fentanyl. I was praying in tongues. Now, I'm getting into a lot of areas here. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost... The Bible says you do not know what you should pray for nor how you should pray. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit speaks through you. Yeah. And prayers, perf- prays perfect prayers in the perfect love of God. So what will happen is when you pray in tongues, it'll start focusing your attention on something you're not even thinking of. Yeah. Like then, I was, a meet- I was leading a prayer meeting at my church. Nobody's on fentanyl at, at, in the prayer meeting. And then it just popped up. Everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. Oh. And I'm teaching that so, you don't, so that you're not in that situation. Now, why would I, why would I bind that here? It's not really the time. It, yeah, set like your mind to shut up. It's, like an up. it's like an upstairs neighbor. Hey, keep it down. We're trying to work down here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was praying in tongues, and that, 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 that came up. To, to an anger came out of my spirit against that that you heard me curse. Amen. Lord, we just pray. No effectual, fervent prayer, whatever you bind. Now those laws that God put in his word work whether you feel it or not. Amen. That's why we walk by and not by sight. how you feel. So an enemy of faith is fear and another enemy of faith is sight. How, what, kept, what kept the children of God out of the promised land? What they saw, how they felt. God told them the land belonged to them. There's giants in the land. We felt like grasshoppers. Well, quit feeling like a grasshopper, because you're not. We felt like grasshoppers. That's your problem. And all of us will be in situations where you feel like a grasshopper, but you're not. You're a child of God, anointed with the Holy Ghost and fire, and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Say it out loud, I don't go by how I feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on that. Yeah. Say it out loud. I don't go by how I feel. I don't go by how I feel. I go by what the Bible says. I don't go by what the Bible says. I don't identify by how I feel. I don't identify by how I feel. I identify by who God said I am. I identify by who God said I am. I am. Now say it so the devil can hear you. I am. I am. More, am more than a conqueror. Than I am. I am anointed with the, with the Holy Ghost and fire I can do, I can do all things, things through Christ, through Christ who gives me, gives me strength I'm not broke I'm, not broke. I'm blessed I'm with, the with the blessing of Abraham I'll never be broke never be another, day another day in my life this year will be full of God's miracles and blessings. Now lift your other hand up next to that hand. Begin to thank God out of your mouth. Begin to thank him out of your mouth. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. I'm seated where God said I'm seated. You're not going down. You're going up. You're not going backwards. You're going forwards. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Who told you you're small? Who told you you're weak? Who told you you can't make it? Those aren't scriptures. If God be for you, tell me who can be against you. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. I'm seated where God said I'm seated. With Christ in heavenly places. Far above. Now I'm telling you right now, whether you like it or not, you're getting into a flow. When you get into the flow, I was listening to Jensen Franklin preach this morning. He got into a flow and he said, he said, back at the first church, he said, we didn't even have 300 people. I had R.W. Shambaugh come in to preach. And he said, I had been saying that from this platform, we're going to preach to the whole world. People look at him like he's nuts. Little Church of God church out in rural Georgia. Hardly any people. And he said, I had Brother Schambach, and he agreed to come. First thing he did when he got the mic, I hadn't talked to him. He'd never heard me preach. I wasn't on anywhere. He said, Brother Schambach got the mic and said, tonight's offering's not for me. The Lord spoke to me that this young man's to be on television, and I'm going to take an offering to get it started. And he said, out of that crowd of less than 300 people, this is in the early 80s. $150,000 came in the offering and they bought their TV equipment and started it. You know why? Because he didn't have in some dead religious speaker. He had in a man that carried the power of God and the Lord uses people like that and everybody gets blessed. I'm telling you, God is going to bless you. God is going to bless your family. God's going to bless your children. Everything that pertains to you. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and celebrate it. Woo! 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 Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Let Jericho's walls fall flat. Promise you, I'm not saying they're hyped up in a a church. I'm telling you, if they'd have put me in prison for having church during COVID, I'd pick up doing what I'm doing here in there. Except I'd do two or three services a day, because what else is there to do? I don't lift weights. I don't play basketball. So I'd announce, gentlemen, every day at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 7.30 p.m., there'll be services at whatever place that warden who who loves me would have had it. I'd have been like Paul. The Bible says when Paul was in prison, they allowed him to entertain guests and keep his own residence. I promise you, I'd have had special rules. And I'd have taken offerings at the end of every meeting and received cigarettes and sharpened toothbrushes and whatever else was currency there. And then I traded it and put it into the work of the Lord. I'm telling you the truth. I would never alter anything I'm doing. For if you, Wherever you stick me, I do this. I have one gear. Go. That's it. I got one gear. And I would have led those people to Christ. And got unfi- And I was doing that anyway before COVID. I, in fact, everybody say get in, get in the flow. I got invited to speak to the violent offenders wing. Yeah. 33 guys sat up they, uh, or signed up. They looked like violent offenders. It wasn't like you're like, wow, you can barely tell you guys are violent offenders. <laughs> They're sitting there very respectful. Nothing I preached broke through. But the Lord gave me what to speak. I actually speak, spoke on the demoniac of the gatherings. A man so violent that people from that, that region would not pass through where they had him chained in the woods. And he couldn't keep clothes on. So I told all those guys, I said, however violent you think you are, you're not as nuts as he is because y'all have clothes on. <laughs> they couldn't put clothes on that guy. He was... <laughs> There's demon-possessed people, and then there's people that are so demon-possessed, other demon-possessed people go, that guy needs delivered. <laughs> yeah, we have a small problem, but you should start with him. You know, that got a little choked But I'm telling you, I said, so, and then, as soon as Jesus, everybody say the anointing. anointing. As soon as Jesus stepped foot on the shore, Jesus didn't have to cast the devils out one at a time, 6,000 in a row. He stepped on the shore... And a shockwave of the anointing must have gone out. And that guy ran from his place, bowed at Jesus' feet, and began to worship him. Still demonized. That's called being the Most High. Jesus cast out the Spirit, and he was clothed in his right mind. Asking Jesus to travel with him. And Jesus instead made him an evangelist. Now go back and tell everybody what the Lord's done for you. And so as I finished, came to the conclusion there. I looked at these guys. I could tell if I closed or gave an invitation, nothing was going to happen. These are just things I was thinking. You know, as they were looking respectfully, there was no open spirit. There was no breakthrough. And then you can't force it. But as soon as I got to that point, I was wondering, well, what am I going to do? Maybe this, I'll just close. At least, it, at least I didn't get attacked or anything. And maybe they'll be open to having me back. And all of a sudden, the river started to flow. And I said, there's actually a young man here that when you were five years old, your grandmother used to hold you on her lap and put her hand on your head and say, God's going to use you to preach. God's going to use you to preach. And I went to say, I don't know who you, which one it is. But when I said that, first of all, none of these guys even looked like they had grandma's. And if they did, they ate them or something. <laughs> when I said, I don't know which one it is, this guy, this d- guy from the Dominican Republic, fell out of his seat, onto his knees, and lifted both his hands, crying, and started to say, Santo, tattoos up. three teardrop tattoos. Santo, Santo. I said, well, I guess we know who it is. And those guys, if you could have seen how stunned they look, When that guy was doing that, you'd almost think he didn't do that every day. They were looking at him crying with his hands lifted. I said, young man, stand up. He stood up. Now, you don't realize what you're doing in the anointing and the authority you carry. You know, this guy, they can't get them to move with tasers and stuff. Hey, stand up, lift your hands, and step back near the wall. He goes right where I tell him. I had the Newark Police Department during the crusade ask me for prayer. I didn't even think what I was doing. I said, all you lift your hands. Good. got 21 officers. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking, you know. And so I'm praying. All I have my, is my pointer finger. I'm praying. All the cops are like this. And one guy walked out. We were in inner city New York. One guy walked by and went like this. <laughs> so I said, I said uh, stand back against that wall because there's no catchers. I'm not going to explain that you might fall down. I just said, stand against the wall. That way if you fall, you slump against the wall. I, I laid my hands on his head. I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, I know the Lord sent me to this prison probably just to fulfill your grandma's prayer. That because she spoke that over you, that you're not going to die in jail. You're going to be a preacher. God's going to make it happen in Jesus' name. I said, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he slid down the wall. Well, they told me after, you're not allowed to lay hands on the prisoners. It's illegal. I didn't know that. Well, if you're going to do something illegal, might as well make it super illegal. (laughs) I said, now everybody else, because I I still didn't know. I said, all 32 other prisoners, stand up and line up against the wall with your back to the wall. Like I'm going to have you, you guys do. And I'm going to lay hands on all of you. I wasn't even thinking. You know, when the river, you don't care. You're drunk. You're too drunk to care. So they all line up against the wall. With their, I said, now lift your hands. All of them lifted their hands. And I went down the line laying hands on. Them. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when I said, All oh, you lift your hands, and I started to pray before I laid hands on them, I said, Everybody, clo- everybody lift your hands, close your eyes, I'm gonna pray. I started praying, I looked, the guard they gave me, which they gave me all these instructions. This is the violent offenders wing. We're gonna give you this RFID device that you press a button if you're being attacked. You know, for what? <laughs> so that someone can come collect my body. You hold it right there, mister. I'm, wait, wait till the warden hears about this. You're going to be in a lot of trouble, buster. I'll press the button. I really will. They'll put you in jail. Oh, you aren't here in jail. Oh, you don't care. And that was the end of Evangelist Shuttlesworth. You know, even the safety they tell you they're going to give you is no safety. You get attacked and shanked. You're dead. So when I said, everybody lift your hands, we're gonna pray. I look back, because I had said it so strong. Everyone lift your hands, we're gonna pray. I look back, the guard they gave me. (laughs) Gun, keys. Uh, Glad I got Barney Fife helping me out. So, when I saw him like that with the keys dangling and the gun out, oh, good Lord. So I, I went, No one open your eyes. This is a holy moment. On <laughs> anyone looking around, lest I perish. Laid hands on everybody. You know, I got a good verse for that officer watch and pray. Jesus <laughs> now, when I preach in prison, I go, "Everyone, bow your head and close your eyes, except you." <laughs> so I lay hands on everybody. Everybody didn't fall under the power I anything, but they, you know, most of them just respectfully received prayer. But then it was open. Now, now, anyone who's never received Jesus Christ, or you've backslid and you need to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to lift your hand. Thirty-two of the thirty-three lifted their hands to receive Christ and pray with me. Yes. One guy that had a goat skull tattooed here, and then he had a pentagram on his, tattooed on his hands. Like, we get it, you're a Satanist. We got it with the first tattoo. <laughs> no need to waste all your prison money. We get it. So I look over at him, because he's the only one that has a lift in his hand, so I wasn't like, I just looked over, and when I looked at with him, he went like this. Like, you got me. So I pray the sinner's prayer with him, right? I get word they're not allowed to tell me, but in the monitoring of the calls, the warden and assistant warden told me, you would not believe the calls we listened to this month. They said, people are calling home. So the one guy I come back the next month, that Dominican guy with the three uh, teardrops, he said, I called my wife and kids and I said, I want all you to get on your knees. We're going to pray. And they laughed. They thought he was joking around. He went, no, I'm serious. Get on your knees and lift your hands. And he said, I led them in the prayer you led us in. And then I left them with Brother Hagan's faith workbook. So they, had so-, so they had something to read for the month I was gone. So he said, "It said in that book that I could say to any mountain, be removed, and it would be removed. I said, Lord, my grandmother told me I was going to preach. That preacher said, I need out of here. I said, if you will let me out of here, I'll preach. And he said, they commuted my sentence, and I'm going to be out in six weeks. Yeah. Everybody say, let the river flow. So I, I'm just telling you these stories because you think, well, I, if I was in prison, I'd be doing, I'm telling you, wherever you put me, that angel came when I was eight years old and gave me orders to preach. That's what I'll be doing. You heard my dad when I played that video, he said, if they, if they go to put me on a firing squad, he was in 2020 summer in New York. He said, if they put me on a firing squad, I'll be preaching to the last person loading their weapon. That's what we do. We're preachers. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When I was hanging out with Dr. Jesse Duplantis, he said, you know, we'll still be preaching in the millennium. Because we have to convert the people that that, that, uh, uh, won't follow Christ. He said, we will be preachers for the rest of, the rest of eternity, because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So I'm telling you, you can change the rules. China can invade through Canada. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve Jesus 100%, and I'm not going to do it out of religious obligation. I'm going to stay on fire for God. I'm glad I bumped in to 1,000 West Virginians that have made up their mind. I'm going to be all. On fire! Somebody shout fire! It feels good in here, right? Everybody say I don't go by how I feel. I go by what the Bible says. It does feel good. So that guy says, "Will you go pray for?" In the eye? So I'm telling you about praying when if you don't feel like it works or whatever. So I go to pray for that lady. She's in ICU. She looks like she's going to die. I put my hands uh, on the top of, of her chest because the bacterial infection was in the lungs. And uh, I prayed. Now, some places I've gone to pray in a hospital, the, the doctors and nurses were very supportive and were like glad you were coming in to pray. Then every once in a while you get some that are like, Oh, you, some leftover from the 1800s that still thinks this stuff works. And you can just feel it in your spirit, like messing up the atmosphere. So I prayed, what do you do when you don't feel the anointing? Say this out loud. God's word word is always anointed. anointed. Father, anoint thy word tonight. Too late. He already did before you prayed. (laughs) Say it again. God's God's word is always anointed. So if I don't feel the anointing, I mean, I do it anyway, but if I don't feel the anointing, I'll start quoting scripture. Amen. So I put my hands on, on, on uh, the top of her chest. I said, Father, you said wherever you go and preach, heal their sick. You said these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. As I do this, I thank you that your word's true. Prayed like that. I curse this bacterial infection. I command it to come out of her lungs. In Jesus' name, Amen well, you wish it was some testimony like the ones I heard growing up. And she ripped the tubes up, danced a jig on the table, <laughs> signed herself out of the hospital. She looked more dead when I finished praying <laughs> than when I started. And those, I could just feel the nurse and doctor like, told you so, or "Swinging a miss. So I left, and on my way out, said the opposite of how I felt. Father, thank you that you said, whatever we ask in your name, you'll give it to us? So I received the answer to that prayer in Jesus' name, then I just put it out of my mind. And so I never heard anything. I figured she'd passed away, and uh, figured that was why the pastor hadn't had me come back to preach, but then a year and a half later, he invited me back. So they had two morning services. So I did the first morning service, then there was like a half-hour break in between. Plus, you know, if I come in like 10 minutes later, it's not that big a deal, I'm not singing, I was getting refreshed. So there was a gas station that bordered the church. I went there. I got a Red Bull. It was one of those March days that, like, it, you know, how it is in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Indiana. It can be 32 or 72. Well, it was 72. Sun was coming out. felt good. I, I had sweat on me, so it was drying me out. And I figured I'd just stand out in the sun and dry out and drink my Red Bull. This lady starts coming into the second service. And when I saw her coming up towards the church, she looked similar to the lady I prayed for, and I'm thinking that as I'm looking at her, and then she looks up and sees me looking at her. So I felt like I need to address the situation because I look like some creep standing outside of church. <laughs> so I said, hey, sorry you caught me looking at you. I said, you look like this lady that used to go to the church here. And you know, I was just thinking, it was actually like depressing me. I was thinking, oh, what am I even doing in the ministry? She looks like that lady I prayed for that died immediately after I prayed. I said, sorry, so sorry for looking at you, you look like a lady that I, I used to know around here. She went, oh no, I am that lady. See, she was thinner, because you put on weight just laying on a table, and uh, she, she had colored her hair, had on a nice dress instead of a hospital gown, so I didn't catch it. I, I said, you are? Oh Yeah. She said, they didn't tell you? I said, no, they didn't. She said, five days after you prayed, all the bacteria was cleared out of my system and they signed me. She never even had to go to the recovery center, straight from ICU home. Life support. I went from feeling like Droopy the dog to Elijah Oral Roberts, Benny Hinn wrapped into one. And I hugged her, and then I went straight into the pastor's office, and I said, Hey, you remember that lady you took me to pray for a year and a half ago? Oh, yeah. She's better. Oh, I know. Yeah, she got better the next week. I said, how about next time something like that happens, you fire me off a text message? I don't want to impose on your time schedule. I've been battling low self-esteem for 18 months because you're too busy to freaking take out your phone and tell me that we raised someone from the dead together. move on, because it actually could get upset. How? How do you not tell me? <laughs> you know, I'm not, I wasn't having, still I'm not right now, having like h- hockey arenas packed with people, thousands of miracles. Back then, I had a miracle like once every new moon. <laughs> so if you could have told me about that, it would have helped, I would have been happier. Yes, yes. Can you say Amen. Yes. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times when you pray, you think you know what happened, but you don't know what happened. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, there was no sign that anything happened. And when they walked by it again, they exclaimed, Master, the fig tree that you cursed has withered up from the root. Because God doesn't deal with things from the outside in. He deals with things from the inside out. That's why when you pray, the devil will get you focused on what you can see. Don't focus on what you can see. Thank God that he's a prayer answering God. He's heard your prayer and the answer has been released. Go ahead, take 15 more seconds and celebrate it. It's already done. I said it's already done. It's already done. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized with water, if you don't dry off, no one needs to wonder whether you've been baptized or not. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, there's not only an effect on the inside, there's an effect on the outside. We used to sing a song growing up in church. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. There's a tangible anointing on the body yes. of the person. Yes. You actually can pray. Anybody ever hear of Smith Wigglesworth? Yes. He had a word of advice to Christians. He said, if you pray in the Holy Ghost every day until you feel the anointing come on your body, you'll never backslide. Yes. So you actually can pray till the internal cup overflows yes. onto the outer cup. Yes. 2 Kings 13, 20 through 22. They took a man who had died and hastily threw him in the tomb of who? Elisha. Elisha. And when that dead body hit Elisha's bones, the body jerked back to life. Because it gets in your body. That's why I made a joke earlier in the week that Pastor and I both know preachers that lived into their late 80s and 90s that subsisted on a diet of Dr. Pepper and bologna sandwiches. They had terrible health habits. But there's, and I'm not, you don't use the anointing as as an excuse to abuse your body, but I'm telling you, there's something, you think the supplements at GNC can outdo having the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, quickening your mortal body? No, I'm telling you that, I'm telling you, that quickening power is coming upon you right now. It'll make you run like a deer, it'll make you jump, it'll make you shout, it'll make you just, just think clear in Jesus' name. Say, I am anointed with fresh oil. What will happen when you receive it? Verse eight, but you will receive what? Power, Power. not tongues, power. Tongues is the initial physical evidence, but that's, it's not, if you confine it to tongues, you're going to miss a lot. Thank God for tongues. It's great. Paul said, I I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Which I used as my senior scripture verse for my Bible college yearbook. And they rejected it. They thought it was arrogant. But Paul wrote it. (laughs) Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. (laughs) Yeah. Tongues is an invaluable gift. But it's just one release of that river. Tongues, discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, special faith. It's all the same source. Gifts of healings, working of miracles. If you confine it to tongues, it's like people want to get saved, water baptized, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and check it off their list. Well, yes, I'm ready for heaven. No. It's a continual power flow. Water. Current electricity yeah. that, that it's power that comes from within. You shall receive power. It would say power. power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is one of the things that says will happen when you get filled with that power? You'll be, you'll be a witness. How come after that service, when we laid hands on everybody on Friday night, what did people feel the desire to do? Witness. Isn't that interesting? Because now you, you don't have a lot of people do this, but you have some churches that will mock the power of the Holy Ghost so much, they say, that's actually a demon spirit. Okay, then how come when we laid hands on everybody on Friday night, they did say, hey, let's get a team together and go get smashed? No. Go to all the bars you want and count how many people you hear speaking in tongues. No, they didn't have a, a desire to sin. They had a desire to witness. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was six. My dad was preaching a youth camp in Indiana. Shouldn't have taken until I was six, to be honest with you. I was in church every night. My dad was doing a youth camp in Indiana, and I got, I remember, it was in an old airplane hangar that they converted to be like an auditorium for youth camp. It was blazing hot, because it was in the middle of summer under a metal airplane hangar. You know it's hot when when it's been 36 years, and you remember it was hot. (laughs) I did I give an altar call for all the teenagers to come forward? You know, I'm just his son that's in the meeting because I'm his son. So I was sitting behind the teenagers that came forward, about a thousand. And when when he said, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and it hit them, I felt it like a wave hit me. And I started speaking in tongues. And I stopped almost as soon as I started to go run and tell my mom. Mom, I spoke with other tongues. I had a speech impediment. And I was so happy. I, I felt that. See, this is why I'm teaching on this stuff. Because if you don't know what to do with it, it's like having a loaded gun and being three. You're going to hurt yourself and hurt other people. You don't know what you're doing. But if I can show you that there's a flow to this river where God will take that power and use it for constructive things. Then what's going to happen is what's supposed to happen in a revival. The evangelist comes, but then when he leaves, you have hundreds, if not 1,000 plus people in a city of 30,000. One out of every 30 people that carry God's fire and power. The devil doesn't know. Let me tell you something. The devil can easily stop religion, but he has no answer to a Christian who's filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And that's what you're leaving with tonight in Jesus' name. Go ahead, take 15 seconds and celebrate it. You shall receive, you shall receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essentially a baptism of power, power for your speech, power for your thinking, power for your physical action. How did Elijah outrun a king's chariot? Kings didn't use the slowest, sickest horses. They used the fastest, strongest horses. And the Bible says the hand of the Lord, which was a type of the Holy Spirit and the old in the Old Testament, came on Elijah and he girded up his loins. He took that rope and gathered it around his midsection and outran the king's blue past horses in his 70s. That would be a weird sight. Somebody say power. power. Go to Acts 2.1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of them? Everybody. Everybody. It's for everybody. How do you get that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for the first 12 apostles? It just says right there, everyone. Everyone. Every believer, whether they were six years old like me or 86, whether they were an apostle or a homemaker, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I've covered a lot of ground tonight. Might as well cover a little more. What's the point of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues? What did did James say is the tiniest member of the body but destroys lives and no one can tame it? The tongue. And no man can tame it. So God gave us a gift that by heaven's power can take the thing that's used to destroy and took it and made it something that's tamed and used for his glory. And every one present was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem when they heard the loud noise. What kind of noise? That's redundant. There's not quiet noise. Noise is loud. So it's, it's redundant, loud noise. Why does that guy have to shout like that? Why does their music have to be so loud? It was from the inception of the church. God's not a quiet God. There's a note in Revelation when heaven becomes quiet for 30 minutes. Heaven has continual singing, continual worship, continual praise. The church and the sanctuary is to be filled with people lifting up praise and shouting unto God. Verse 13. So it says where they're all from. Verse 12. The people that were hearing it stood there amazed and perplexed. Acts 2.12. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. The devil has never been able to stop the power of God. From day one, his only strategy is to mock it and get you to be ashamed of it. You know those tongue talkers? Yep. Amen. I had a, my grandfather was pastoring somewhere. And another pastor asked him, Mickey, if you weren't Pentecostal, what would you be? Meaning like what denomination would you be? Mickey, if you weren't Pentecostal, what would you be? And my grandfather said, ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd be ashamed not to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I... I was going to say I don't know about you, but I'm starting to think I do kind of know about you. Because we've been, to- we've been together eight days now. When you see how wicked and perverse the spirit of this world is, what do you want? Do you want to just avoid that spirit and kind of live in the middle? Or do you say, no, not only am I not going to receive this perverse, divorce, marriage ruining, gender confusion, sexual immorality, gambling, uh, uh, eat your money up, drug addiction spirit. I want to go in the headlong in the other direction. I want to be filled with God's spirit and be a wrecking ball, and be a wrecking ball to the devil's plan for my family and my generation. Oh, if that sounds like you, let heaven hear you. One last time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, let hell know. Let hell know it has some opposition. Let God know he has some vessels to work with. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, stay on your feet. And that'll remind me to, to dismiss. They're just drunk. There was a guy that, as we were advancing in our church, A guy that was helping us told uh, an official about our church. And that official called them back the next day and said, you didn't tell me those people were radicals. They're holy rollers. Be seated briefly. I won't keep you on uh, on your feet. It'll be too long. Enjoy the seat. Now, there would have been a time 15 years ago, or 12 years ago, that if I heard that was an official's reaction, not, I said, "Well, oh, I know we're not radical. We're, you know, I can tone it down. But I don't want less of the Holy Spirit. No. When you read the book of Acts, they weren't having nice little seminars. And furthermore, if you missed the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there wasn't a second showing at four o'clock. If you missed the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus didn't reload and do it again in three hours. You missed it. Think of it, because they were, they, were, they were tearing for the Holy Ghost for a number of days. Imagine there were a few people that left a day or two early. My son has a soccer tournament. We, I know we've been praying for eight days. I have to go. But the hungry ones stayed. Can't you say amen? See, that, that's a foreign concept to dead churches. There's people watching right now on YouTube that are pastors. How do the people stay that long? Because they're hungry. Because this church doesn't cater to satisfied people. It caters to hungry people. They're drunk. That's all. Let me tell you something about the Holy Roller thing. Anybody ever seen Rodney Howard Brown's meetings before? Now I'm going to tell you this and I'm sad to admit it, but it's the truth. When I would see people have wild manifestations of the spirit, And I grew up in church and I never did any of that. I would think, there must be, you know, they must, some of them must have like some screws loose, or these are like a a pocket of charismatic people that just find out there's meetings like this so they can kind of go ballistic. And I'll tell you why, what changed me. I was preaching in Maui, in Hana. We rented the historic church in Hana. And I felt when I was getting ready one night that I should have Pastor Rodney come and preach. So I flew him out there which was a big step of faith at the time, got him a place to stay, and then he was preaching at the church. Some of the Hawaiians that have testified here were in that meeting. This is how powerful of a meeting it was. Like, you met that guy, Kelo. This all came out of it. So my nephew, that's the youth pastor, I don't know if he's told you guys this story or not, but Pastor Jay, that's the youth pastor at, at Revival Today Church, my nephew, he was going to Liberty University playing baseball. And he he was a Christian, but he was... He was a a good Baptist Christian. He had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. He traveled with me in the summer. He's, you know, good guy. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he he hadn't even spoken in tongues, let alone what I'm going to tell you, and didn't have any interest in it. And Pastor Rodney got rolling one night, and my nephew was standing at the back, and he said, young man, step forward. Now, this church was built, like there's a slight grade here from the back door to the front. This church was like an older church that had like a, 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 a steeper grade down the center t- to the front. It was like uphill to go to the back doors. Young man, come down here. J- Jay walked up, and I was thinking, this is going to be interesting, because I had laid hands on him before. I got like a, like a courtesy nut, like, like thanks. <laughs> so Jay comes forward, pests around, and he says, young man, lift your hands, and then he says, fire. And Jay, without getting hands laid on him, Shot off of his feet. I don't mean fell back. I mean shot off of his feet. I was on the platform and I'm, I'm me, you know, my back sweaty and stuff. Like I, I'm this kind of Christian. And when I saw what happened to my nephew, I went, whoa, <laughs> this is real. He hits the ground and starts rolling. You ever wonder where the, the word holy roller comes from? <laughs> I found out that night. Because as a pen, I say, what do they holy I never, I don't roll around. He rolled down to the altar, holding his stomach and laughing. I'm talking about a stoic Liberty University baseball scholarship guy. He was not, he is not now. He's not, he, he's like normal. No offense to the abnormal people here, but he, he, he rolls down, holding his belly, laughing and speaking in tongues. Comes to the front. With his eyes closed, rolls back uphill (laughs) to the doors. Rolls back down. Rolls back up for the rest of the meeting. Ah, laughing, crying, speaking in tongues. Wrecked. Let me ask you something. I already told you they don't speak in tongues at a bar. So how come when the baptism of the Holy Ghost was poured out and the outsiders saw it, they said, these men are drunk. These men are drunk. Drunk people don't speak in tongues. There was more going on in that room than just speaking in tongues. People were inundated, inundated, and wrecked by the power of God. And that is the only hope for this generation. The only thing that's going to knock the devil out of this generation is not some little religious meeting. There must be the fire of God released. And that's what we have tonight in Jesus' name. I'm not done. I see him rolling around. I was crying watching that happen to my nephew. I mean, it was like, no way. I'm crying hard watching. It's touching me because I like him. Him and I have been close for a long time. When I started dating Adonis, I think he was 10. and, and, And I'd play video games with him all day and took him to six. He wasn't a Christian. None of my nephews were Christians. He would say the anointing. You know what I did when they were young? R.W. Schambach was 81, and he was coming to preach in Providence, Rhode Island. They lived in Massachusetts, and I drove them all down. And Brother Schambach, in his 80s, anointed everybody with oil that night. There was 1,100 people, and I got my nephews in the line. And they're all, serv- they're all on staff at the church now. All of, the, all of the sisters are on staff at the church now. Her dad's on staff at the church. Because I value the anointing. I value the laying on of hands. The thing I'm going to do for you tonight, I use it. I go where people flow in that thing. Because God will do what no counselor, what no psychiatrist, what no psychologist, what no medication can do. It is the anointing. It's the anointing that lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. He's rolling. I'm crying. Pastor out and he doesn't care, just keeps preaching like nothing's going on. (laughs) Meeting's over. He's still rolling. There's nobody left in the church. These people just do that. Yeah, well, if he's doing it to impress anyone, there's no one left to impress but big cane spiders. And even there, there's one cane spider smoking. That's crazy, man. I've been in this church. I've been in this church for generations. I've never seen anything like that. So finally, because we have to leave the rented church. Remember that older farmer I had testify last week from Connecticut? That's my wife's twin sister's husband's dead. That he was testifying about what happened to his sons. Well, his son Abel, that's general contracting our church building and land development. Obviously, I can't carry my nephew back to the car. Unless he's like two. (laughs) So Abel, that used to be a bouncer, scoops him up off the floor and carries him to to the the, uh, SUV we rented. And the craziest thing. So now Abel starts Abel's a stoic Connecticut farmer. And Abel's laughing. Yes. Carrying Jay, who's laughing and crying, like all at once. The anointing's hitting Abel. Carries him to the you can't sit him in the seat, he's still rolling. They pop that back thing on the SUV and lay him in there like cargo. And then we go to drive back to where, huh, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a wonderful God. What a mighty Holy Spirit. They drive him up to the, the, this home we rented. It was almost like it looked like, like we're a, uh, like a drug czar. It was, because we had like 30 people in the mission team. It was this massive house, and then they had built some cabins, too. So Abel, take, you can hear him thumping around in the back. He's still rolling, <laughs> laughing, speaking in tongues. So Abel loads him up out of the SUV, picks him up, carries him up to the, the smaller house he was staying at, and lays him in his bed, lays or on top of his bed, and goes to leave. Shuts the door and walks out and hears, her thud. He rolls out of bed. Abel goes back and opens the door up. He's rolling around in that hut by himself, praying in tongues and laughing. The joy of the Lord. True religion is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's people watching online right now. That joy, a wave of joy, is coming into your home. All depression and sorrow is being washed away by the anointing in Jesus' name. Receive it. Just lift your hands all over this room and receive it. So when Abel goes back to put him back in the bed, he says, I'm thirsty. So Abel goes down to the main house and gets a bottle of water and brings it up to him. And he takes the bottle of water and dumps it down the side of his face. So, so inundated by the, the spirit of God, he can't even drink like a drunk. But he's not drunk on wine as he supposed. He's drunk on the new wine of the Holy Ghost. Where you don't vomit it up in the morning. Where you get stronger. Where it doesn't break your marriage up. It heals your marriage. Those spirits, Jose Cuervo, wine, moonshine, all that other stuff. That's the devil's counterfeit of the actual new wine of the Holy Ghost. But that new wine is on tap tonight for every hungry woman and every thirsty man. I know some people that have got that and found down, but I never noticed any change. Well, let me tell you about somebody I did notice. A huge change. You will receive power and you'll be my witnesses. When Jay's internship ended in the summer, he went back to school. Then he came and did another internship with me the next summer. Didn't want to go back. I want to stay on the road with you. Traveled with me for ever many years. Then we're on the road and there's this young lady, her name was Maddie Arkless. She popped up on my Instagram feed one time. She was going to Oral Roberts University and it was a clip of her preaching. She was like 18. I'm like, man, that girl can preach. She's anointed. And so then I saw that girl. I was preaching at Bob Nichols Church in Fort Worth. And that girl's there and I felt the Spirit of the Lord come upon me to call her out. I said, the Lord's gonna start to open doors for you to be in the ministry, same way you went to train for the ministry got hit by the power of God, went out under the power. And then me and Jay, like we would do every night for three years, I said, where do you want to eat? We'd scope out whatever places on Yelp that are open at 11 p.m. or 12, 12 in the, you know by the time the service let out. And so I told him, I said, I found this hot dog place in downtown Dallas, it's like a hot dog stand but it's been featured on Yelp. Want to go down and get some hot dogs? He went, nah, I'm going out to eat with somebody else. I said, what do you mean you're going out to eat with somebody else? I'm Wyatt Earp, you're Doc Holliday, we stick together. He went, you know that that girl that you called out now? Oh. Oh. Okay. Run along and play. They went out that night. They got married. They're married still, and then we opened the church. I felt my spirit to have them become youth pastors. They started with 30 students. They've broken hundred students in attendance, not for special events, a hundred local students in attendance, or in attendance in one meeting. No other churches participated in less than a year because God took that baseball player that had very little interest in anything to do with this. And when he got set on fire, he couldn't even think of doing anything else but serving the Lord for the rest of his life. And then God in that, in the anointing, sticking around the anointing. Why well, go on farmersonly.com? Just hang around the anointing. You'd be amazed who the Lord will hook you up with. Can you say amen? Amen. Quit fishing in the same diseased pond for a spouse. Get Get in a different river. Get out of the diseased pond and get into the river. I said get into the river. You're in the river today. You're going to stay in the river. Your children are going to live in the river. They're not gonna meet bad people. They're gonna get hooked up with people that God puts in their life. It's not gonna be you trying to make life work. God is gonna make life work. And I, I'm not making my nephew out to be some bad guy. He traveled with me. I liked, you know, he was a Christian. But he he didn't. He would have never been doing what he was doing now. Wanted to go into financial planning. Very smart. Could have done that. Could have, he was on a Division I baseball scholarship and had several schools to pick from. But he got hit with the Holy Ghost. When he, he, he finished laughing and he finished crying, he, he was different. He cried something out of him, and he laughed something into him. Now God's using him to set teenagers free, and him and his wife are a dynamic duo for the Lord. Did it right. No kids out of wedlock, got married. All the path he was on. I mean, my nephew, Pito. My nephew, Pito. uh, 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 Adalas' other sister's son. When I met him, when I started dating Adalas, he was in special classes in Boston for kids that had violent tendencies that were in gangs. There was nobody in that family. They wouldn't come to hear me preach. I was like four minutes away from their house. Not even out of courtesy because it's their, their sister's boyfriend or anything. If you're watching, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying one night, I went to sleep. When I woke up, I told Adonis I was staying at her house for a holiday. I said, within two years of when we get married, every person in your house will be saved. Hallelujah. The Lord, I'd feel it in, in, the, in, my, in me belly. First one gets led to the Lord. Second one gets led to the Lord. Nephews get led to the Lord. And then, her brother, who would not, he... He grew up in Spanish Pentecostal church. And it whatever one he was in jaded him against ministers and church. He had to go to the hospital a lot with illness. When pastors would come from the church and ask if they could pray, he'd say no and hit the button and have them thrown out of the hospital. That's how he felt about preachers. And I, But he never met me before. I'm different. And One day when I was navigating... And i of stay in the river for Jose. Wow. My wife told me that Jose just got a settlement check from the accident that put him in the hospital. And he wants to give something to our ministry. He wants to meet with you. So I went to the hospital. He's laying in the hospital bed. And he handed me a check for $10,000. And he said, this is for you. I like what you and my sister are doing. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. He had this girlfriend at the time. It would have been a problem. A lot of times when you go to lead somebody to the Lord, the devil has like a blocker there. We already are very spiritual. Shh, shh. me no talking to you, me talking to him. So she, she got a text message right as I started to talk to her. I said, I have to leave. I'm sorry, I have to leave real quick. I felt I said, I'm not sorry. So it's just me and him in the room. And the Lord gave me exactly what to say. I said, do you even know what me and your sister do? Oh, yeah. You go and tell people the word of God and pray for people. I like that. I said, you believe in what we do? Oh, yeah, that's why I'm giving you the money. I said, let me ask you a question. Why would I take your $10,000 to go pray for other people and lead them to heaven while the person who gave me the money to do it is going to hell? And I love you. I don't even know them. And he teared up. I said, Jose, I don't know who you met in church before, but I know you like me. I'm not them. Why don't you give your life to Jesus Christ before I take your money and go run all over the world telling other people about Jesus? Why don't I start with you? So when I preach, I don't have the devil hanging over my head. I got one family member on their way. I like you. You like me. Let's go to heaven together. And he is a tough dude, an extremely tough dude. And he started to tear up. I said, let's pray. I had to pause the prayer four times for him to collect himself. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. If you call our office, you got about a 20%, 16% chance that he's the one that's going to answer the phone and say, welcome to revival today. You want to know another thing that happened? When he started working for me, I put him to answer the phones. We had just gone on TV. He was barely saved. He had just prayed the sinner's prayer, but what happened was... I already know the end of the story. <laughs> he didn't. He's answering calls. He's not baptizing the Holy Ghost, nothing. But all these people are gone that need prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, I was thinking of taking my own life. I need a okay. Can you pray with me? Yes. Dear God, <laughs> help them. Hang up with that person. Next call, same thing. Well, he has to pray for people so much. He's like getting good at it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now. Like starting to get because he's praying for people all day. And now he is on fire in church. The whole family saved within two years Because that river of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, let me tell you, if you, all right, get it out of your system. Go ahead. I won't stop it. Woo, I might join you. Now, if a dam breaks, and this is a bad illustration, but we're, Enough hours south, that hope, and enough times passed. Hopefully, it won't bother anybody. You have a dam break like in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Every obstacle, every building, every supposedly strong thing in that town is immediately destroyed, just gone. And when that river of the Holy Ghost flows, whether it's cancer, whether it's hardness of heart, whether it's discouragement, whatever strong, supposedly strong thing the devil set up, when that dam breaks it's over and I'm telling you as a servant of the Lord every planting of the devil in your life and family is destroyed by that river tonight in the name of Jesus Christ stand on your go ahead celebrate stand on your feet and celebrate it celebrate it lift him up lift him up come on lift him up for he's worthy Worthy, worthy. Stay on your feet this time for real. Tonight, you're gonna get in the river and the river is gonna get in you and you're gonna stay in that river. Why did I keep preaching during COVID and not shut our ministry down? I was too drunk to know anything about COVID. I was too drunk to be afraid of COVID. Too intoxicated. My mind doesn't work right. I'm drunk. What was going to give us the land? I'm too drunk to think otherwise. When you say crazy things, when you're drunk on alcohol, none of it comes to pass. You just sound nuts. When you're drunk on the Holy Ghost, you say a bunch of crazy stuff and sound nuts. But it all comes to pass. Because you're in the river. Out of your belly. Remember, John 7, 37. Out of your belly will flow. So this, instead of your words being dictated head down, they're dictated belly up. I played that video when I played you the video on my land and we got that building. You heard me saying, there's a six-month order on steel. Don't ever let it come out of your mouth. God can give us steel in six minutes. Where was that coming from? Why was I even talking about steel? We didn't even have land or a building or need of steel. But the Holy Ghost knows things that are to come. He'll start speaking it. Life's not supposed to be hard. Jesus didn't come so you could endure life. He came so you could enjoy life. You get in that river. That river leads somewhere. It's leading me somewhere. Glad it led me down. Led me when I went to Dallas and was very busy to carve out time to go see my friend Bob Nichols, who I met in the river of the Holy Ghost. don't care that he's 87 and I'm 42. I care about people that are fellow swimmers. And sitting there, he said, I was praying. And I wanted to tell you, I have a son in the faith named Dave Chisholm. He's in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And I feel in my spirit that if you two would get together, it would be an explosive meeting. Those were his words, word for word. And that's why it's been an explosive meeting. Because the denomination didn't plan this. Two golfing buddies didn't decide to get together and have church services. The Holy Ghost made a plan in the river. And that river has blown the devil's rear end, clear out of Parkersburg in just one week. And now heaven is going to reign supreme in this town. Go ahead one last time. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. How how do you spread the river? There's a few ways. One of them we read in Acts 19. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? No, we haven't even heard that there be a Holy Ghost. What baptism did you experience? They replied, John's baptism. Paul replied, John's baptism was, to, was a baptism of repentance, but even John spoke of the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Upon hearing this, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul did what? Laid his hands on them. The laying on of hands is a ministry. It's not a Pentecostal way to close a service out. We don't have some addiction to touching people's heads. You know, my daughter sat in my meetings. I used to routinely line people up and lay hands. I'm talking like almost every service. My daughter was a year old, year and a half. We took her to a restaurant. The waitress bent down and went, oh, you're cute. And she looked at her and hit her in the head. (laughs) Like this, right on the forehead. And my wife went to apologize. She said, why would Camille do that? I said, Adonis, she's been watching me go around. She thinks that's how you say hello to people. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you. She did. She got real big at it. There was a man who was not a medical doctor but he got so many people healed they called him Dr. John G. Lake. There was a lady they brought him in South Africa that had a 30 pound tumor on her stomach on the outside and he laid his hand on it and they wired him two days later You know, before sofa's early 1900s. Dr. Lake, your hand was burned a quarter, your handprint was burned a quarter of an inch into the tumor and then two days later it fell off. She had brand new skin underneath. So the laying on of hands, the laying on of hands is a conduit for the transfer of the river from one one receptive vessel from another. God uses people. Anything I want, I can get from God. That's not how God works. God uses people, whether people like that or not. He uses men. He sent people in the book of Acts to go lay their hands on people. Think of this. Saul has his experience on the road, right? Sees that light, gets scales over his eyes and is blind. And in Acts chapter 9, God tells Ananias to go, tells him where, where Paul is. Go in and lay your hands on him and tell him to receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. How come God didn't just do it? God uses people. A bunch of angels aren't going to go out in Parkersburg midnight to three and tell people about Jesus. People do it. God uses flesh. Just like the devil doesn't sell drugs through demons. No one's ever bought heroin off a demon. You have to buy it off somebody that's in cooperation with one. People don't receive Christ from God. They receive him from human vessels that are charged to go into all the world and preach the gospel and bear the evidence of Christ. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of old timers in this meeting and a lot of older preachers. If you ask them, there's nothing I'm preaching that's new or any kind of new, it it might sound new because people quit preaching on it, but there's nothing I made. This is classic Holy Ghost doctrine. Let me pray for this man in the blue shirt with the tie. Yep, come right out into this aisle. The power of God's all over you. Right there is fine. Lift your hands. Now that you've lifted your hands, take your left hand and put it where your heart is. The Lord is going to strengthen your physical heart. It's going to extend your time on the earth to complete the thing that God's called you to do. I feel in my spirit that you've been faithful to to serve the Lord and do what he's called you to do. But there's like one or two things that you felt you were going to do when you were younger, starting out. And you thought, well, I guess I'll just leave that to the Lord. You know, I don't know why things didn't necessarily go in that direction. But you're not dead yet, as you can see. And the Lord tonight is invict... The Lord tonight is invigorating your flesh body and your organs everything that makes up the inner organs of the body to extend your years that you'll actually do the greatest thing you've ever done for the Lord before you go to heaven. Jesus then. every head bowed, every eye closed. There's people here similar to that word that I just gave that, that fellow. Just stay there on the ground. Let the Lord give you a new heart. Extend your years on the earth. No one should be in a hurry to go to heaven. You're going to be there for an eternity. You have limited time here. There's work. There's great work that needs to be done. Let me pray for my friend that served us in Vietnam. Green shirt. What if I pray for you? Come right around. Lift both hands to the Lord. Put, one, put your right hand on your heart, and then put your left hand on your, in your left, left index finger in your left ear. I feel these two things are connected. The going to strengthen your heart, which is going to increase your blood flow. And then lost hearing that you've lost, both obviously from being around heavy machinery, and then also just the, the decline of blood flow as you get older, you w- cause the loss of hearing. The Lord's going to strengthen your heart and pop that ear back open. You're going to enjoy these years of your life. Jesus. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Thank you. Stay there as long as you want. The building's paid for. <laughs> and every head bowed, every eye closed. Kind of like the word I gave to that first guy. There's people that are here tonight that the devil deceived you into thinking that you missed it. And there's things you missed. And, and, uh, there are things you're supposed to do, you, you goofed up. Let me pray for one more person. I mean, I'm going to pray for everybody. But. Two people. This lady with the blonde hair, the black and white, I think it's black and white dress, and the, uh, the other lady with blonde hair next to you, both of you come out. hand of God's been on you for about two hours, both of you. stand right there, shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I feel in my spirit, and if I'm wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. It's no problem. But this, the young lady's got the Nikes on. I feel like you had a great plan mapped out for your life, and it was. And the Lord's given you gifts and abilities. But the Lord's kind of messed up that when you came to these meetings. Like, he got a hold of your heart in a different area. And I don't know what that area is, but you do. And it's been difficult because you had it set to go, to go, and it was a good plan. It wasn't a plan to go to prison or do bad things. It was a plan to do good things and, and make good money. But the Lord is steering you in a different direction, and he's putting you at a crossroads tonight that you're free to go to, to, to do things how you planned, and God will bless you because you're his child. But if you'll give me your life to do the thing I put in your heart to do, I'll take you higher than any man could ever take you. That's a fact. Lift your hands even higher. And then the lady next to you in the nice dress, you lift your hands. The hand of God's been on, like I said, both of you for about two hours. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, be healed in your body as well. In Jesus' mighty name. Just stay there and let the Lord touch you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Stay there and let the Lord touch you. Don't be in a hurry to get back to your seat. Let Jesus touch you. Let him work on you. I'm glad my nephew didn't pull out a rolling up and down after the second time. Glad he just got totally wrecked. Praise God. I got to quit walking around. Let me see your right hand, lift the other one up to the Lord. In Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. More? Thank you, Lord. More? in Jesus name thank you Lord Jesus that's it let the river go right into you proceed in Jesus name I don't know if you have the agility to pull this off I know I want not but if you can somehow here do it do this way come forward this way good job Put one hand across what I can see, and put your other hand where I can't where I can't see what's wrong, on your lower belly. In Jesus' name. Because the Lord knows. Yep. The hand of the Lord comes upon you like it came upon Elijah. Two things. The source of that problem is the story. Not you slowly get better. Come right in. Amen. Amen. Mind if I have a side hug? It's going to be the best year you've ever had. Yeah. And I know you got a bloody nose, but don't worry about it. I had one, one time in fourth grade and then it went away. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's people here that the devil convinced you you missed it. Maybe you went off track for a little while from the plan of God. And the devil kind of said, well, now it's almost like you'll be a plan B Christian from now on. You know, it's like, you could yeah, you'll go to heaven. But all the stuff God had for you to do while you were on the earth, you know, I guess, I guess you won't get that. Maybe God will bless you a little bit. But the Lord doesn't have a plan B for you. If you'll respond to this altar call, God will put you right back on track and you will fulfill the plan of God for your life. Listen carefully. You will fulfill the plan of God for your life and you'll hear what should be your number one goal in life. When you stand before Jesus one day, you'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. This lady in the green with the gold flecks on it, however you can get out of, out of the aisle, your, your choice. The power of God's on you. The Lord's touching people tonight. Right there is fine. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name, go right into you. More, more. That fire that hits you in your seat comes on you even stronger now. In Jesus' name. That's it. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. If you'll respond to this altar call, God will put you. And I mean by responding, I mean just come, come here. I mean by coming here, I'm done doing things my own way. I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in the river. Everyone that, everyone that feels that draw and has felt it while I was preaching. I want you not to wait for others. I want you know the Lord's speaking to you. I want you to quickly come up and join me at the altar right now. In Jesus' name, we're gonna pray. I'm not gonna live at a lower level. If there's a body in the aisle, just be be careful. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna go God's way. I'm not gonna live my way. I'm glad I didn't marry my choice for a wife. I didn't have one anyway, but I'm glad I let God. If you'll let God. See, the devil will rush you. Like you're never going to get married if you serve the Lord. The devil, the devil will make you think you have to do everything right now. But if you wait on God's timing, he, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He will. He will. Don't ever let the devil make you feel like if you're gonna own a home, you have to stop, you have to get out of the will of God. If you're gonna have a wife or a husband, you gotta get out, no, stay in the river. Everything you need is there and more. All the desires of your heart are there. Do you think I could be flying on a private plane at 42 in my own effort? I mean, I'm not that bad. You just start laughing, but, but she is right no chance. I couldn't even get my car registered. I couldn't afford the $300 worth of repairs. God, God will put you at a different level. He'll put you at his level. I'll set you on high above all the nations of the world. You know, and, and then there's rappers and rockers and movie stars that also live like me, but the difference is I'll still be living like that when I'm 60. I won't be on E! True Hollywood Story. Amen? Stick with God. The devil doesn't bless you more than God will. Yes. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. And say this prayer of faith. With me. Say it from your heart and say it nice and loud. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father I, come back to you I come back to you tonight. I'm not going to live my own way. I'm going to follow the spirit. your word says as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. I'm not going to make my own decisions. I'm not going to walk my own path. I'm going to walk your path and follow your voice and not obey another. I turn my back on sin. I give you my life. life. Take my life. life. As a sacrifice. sacrifice. Laid on your altar. altar. Use me. me. For your purpose. Your Your will. will. In Jesus name. name. Amen. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Just let the Lord begin to touch you even now at the altar. Let him begin to touch you even now at the altar. You know. If if there was a witchcraft thing going on and people responded to have a witch pronounce a hex over them or indoctrinate, uh, receive them into a coven, people would freak out. Oh, man, you don't want to do that. You're messing with power. What kind of power do you think is released when you lay yourself on the altar of God and come into covenant with God? This is a genuine revival. Revival. Older people at the altar, younger people at the altar, all kinds of people. You didn't miss it by an inch. The Lord's putting you, he's giving you a do-over. He's putting you right back on track. Putting you right back on track. Let me pray for the first person I prayed for in this revival. This guy with the glasses, close both eyes, lift both hands. As you do the fire, God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. That's it. Goes right on the inside of you. Fire. In Jesus' name. Take more. Take more. In Jesus' mighty name. Let me pray for this, this uh, lady. I'm going to have you come up on the platform. The jacket on right there? Yep. Come right around to those stairs as best you can. Right there is fine. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. This chapter of your life is going to be a glorious chapter hand in hand with Jesus, flowing with the Holy Spirit. You won't miss it by an inch. Everything God has for you in life, he's going to give you the power to grab all of it. Your life won't be defined by a tragedy. It's going to be defined by the blessing of God. That's it. Go right into it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. You'll never be the same after tonight. You won't even have a taste for the things of this world. There'll be music you used to listen to that somebody will play it in the car or whatever, and you'll go, like, Turn that down. It doesn't feel rivery to me, it's a different stream. Holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy is your name. Holy are you, Lord. My friend, I prayed for in the Vietnam hat. that lady standing next to you in the burgundy shirt. Lift your hands right there. You don't have to come any closer. Power of God's on you. What got on that, my veteran friend, just jumped on you. Be healed. Any damage you've taken in your body from picking up things to try to make it easier on somebody else? Lord, strengthens your body. Anything torn is repaired. In Jesus' name. That's it. This young man in the navy blue t shirt, just stay, yep, stay just like you are. With both hands closed, both eyes. Not only did you reach your hands up, your faith reached out of your heart and pulled something down from heaven. This is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Receive it now, in Jesus' name. That's it. More, more. And more. In Jesus' name, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water from within. This is what we're going to do. Those of you that are at the altar, now if you prayed that prayer, that's the first time somebody brought you to church today, and or tonight you haven't been, you never given your life to the Lord before, that counts as salvation. Listen, Listen now, that counts as salvation. Because I had you repent of sin and verbally and come to the altar and all that. So welcome to the family of God. And then if you were just getting back on track and repenting of lukewarm living, you can see what the Lord's done in you already. Now, for everybody that's here, I told you I'm going to pray for everybody in the building. We lay hands on you like we did on Thursday night. It's Thursday. I told you I'd do it tonight. I'm going to do that. So when I do, what do you receive by the laying on of hands? The Bible says, And Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, except to lay his hands on a few sick and see them recover. Say this with me. The laying on of hands, the on of hands always, works. always works. Even in the midst of unbelief, Jesus laid his hands on people and, and people were healed. Yeah. So number one, if you would like to be healed, the laying on of hands... Healing's in that river. There's not healing, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's all in the flow of the Holy Ghost. It's like, well, I operate in the gift of healing. I have, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. So as that river flows, it can go into any of those nine channels at any time. Does that make sense? So you don't have to stop me as I'm going, I need healing. Yes. Healing's, healings resident in the Holy Ghost. Healing's in the anointing. What else is in that river that flows when you lay hands on people? Say this freedom. freedom. Say freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. Say freedom from, addiction. freedom from addiction. Everything you need is in the anointing. So, whatever you don't want anymore, receive freedom from it when hands are laid on you. Sickness, addiction, fear don't make a difference. Then, anything you desire from the Lord it doesn't even have to be a need, though it can be. One of your kidneys shut down? What do you think happens when that river makes contact with your kidney? So reach up. But you can't just stand there like a a bump on. You have to engage it with your faith. What are you believing God to do for you? What do you desire from God? What do you desire for your family? And then what else? Everybody say "The the baptism in the Holy Ghost. My goal, and I know evangelists get a reputation. They push people down. My goal is to not get you to fall down. I do. I would like you to speak with other tongues. Yes. I would that ye all speak with tongues. That's what Paul said. Yeah. In all his discourse to the Corinthian church, what he was saying was, don't interpret anything I'm saying that you're not supposed to speak in tongues. In fact, he said, forbid not speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, and I would that ye all speak with tongues. When that hits your belly, open up your mouth and begin to speak out they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit's not going to hijack your mouth and work it to say, That's a, the Holy Spirit's not a demon. You yield your tongue and mouth with the expression he gives. The Bible says in Isaiah, with a stammering lip and a trembling tongue. Will they praise me? That might be all it starts out as, but then work with it. Till it goes to clear expression. She proto-akatee and then you never lose that gift when you fall under the uh, uh, in, when, you, when you fall under the power as soon as you get up that experience is over which is fine that changed my nephew's life that whole thing but when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost you now have a weapon that you can lose loo- at any time driving to work driving home from work you can lose perfect prayers in fact and I, I feel such a hunger for it. I want every hand lifted one more time before we have you line up. Father, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. As hands are laid on, I thank you that tonight is a fulfillment of that prophecy. That in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In that day, I will pour out my servant. My spirit on all my servants, men and women alike. So whether they're men, whether they're women, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they've never been filled, whether they're like me and have been filled, let every person receive a fresh filling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, have you ever been to a church where the pastor says, now let's all pray? And he might as well say, let's all squint. Because when he says, let's all pray, no one prays everything. That's not prayer. Now imagine the difference in a church from that to when the pastor says, now let's all pray. And a volume of tongues comes up like the book of Acts. Let me tell you something. There's enough firepower in this room to blow the devil clear out of West Virginia and Ohio. Who's ready to receive tonight? Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to revivaltoday.com and click give now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.